Did you do it? Do what? Oh, Willard, you're driving me out of my mind. You want a little something to nibble on? I want you to come here. Did you kill the rats? Yes. I did it. I did it. They were uh, swimming around and around, and I didn't think they were going to drown. So I got a stick. It was your idea. And I came up on them, and I just, you know, Hey, welcome back to the House of a Thousand Horrors. I'm Jordan. I got my co-host Riley with me. Guys, what's going on? We're Yo, spotlight right now. It's a big movie, the school shooter Ratatouille. Glad I'm not the only one thinking about. It. Uh, do you want to introduce Clark, Jordan? Well, you just did. Well, hey. Shoot, I guess I did. Hey, man, uh, it's great to have you on the pod. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, awesome. So. We should probably start respectfully uh, your opinions. What do you think about this movie? What do you think about uh, Willard, 1971? Initial thoughts? Um, so, yeah, they, I mean, this is like that. This is like an era in, in the 70s that was beginning to like be animal terror and animal horror, which I love. Just nature coming back to, to kind of bite us in the ass. This was special, though. This is... This was I saw Bruce Davids, Davison and I was like, oh my god, Iron Maiden. And I was like, that's Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> uh, and but but Davison is pretty cool. He's in a he's he plays Jeffrey Dahmer's dad in a movie. Which really? Is really superb in that. Huh? Was it's like a like a like a recreation movie or like a documentary? It's it's the one that Jeremy Renner plays Dahmer, which is. Oh, like, I think his first like big feature film, well, feature, yeah. Interesting. I did not know that. He's got yeah, range. All kinds of useless information. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we needed you, man. Someone has to do some research around here. I thought it's nice to be needed. I'm glad you liked it because I was like, blame it on Riley because he picked this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know what, Jordan, you're welcome. So I'm guessing, what did you think about the movie, Jordan? Um, I was. Like, uh, hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, it wasn't like bad per se. Um, we are definitely on a animal horror streak right now or when animals attack kind of deal. So it, it fits that theme. Uh, it scarier than ants. Ooh, scarier than ants. Well, rats will fuck you up. Ants, I just couldn't buy into the whole concept. This, uh, dude, rats will eat your ass. <laughs> they'll eat your ass and your, they'll eat your ass. Like rats, yeah. The rest of you too. Yeah, that's a real thing. That's that's not even a horror. That's true life. That will happen. Fall asleep around a bunch of rats. Find out what happens. Yeah, that's a red pilled right there. That's right. It's rat pilled. Even. How did you feel about your pick? Uh, you know what? I I am a little bit ashamed. Uh, last episode I was saying we were gonna do Ben, which to my hubris I didn't realize was a sequel to this movie, uh, Willard. So, of course, you know, when you broke the news to me, you're like, Riley, listen, I love you, but you're a fucking idiot. You've done it yet again, you fool. So, we <laughs> it's went just to a running theme. Switch to Willard. What was that? It's just a running theme. It's like a running bit now. It like, is. You're going to pick a sequel. We'll figure it out, though. <sighs> Eventually, yeah, dude. I mean, I guess I just have to look a little bit further than the first page of Google, which, like, I refuse <laughs> Sometimes to. It's, but... 
sometimes it's a little bit interesting to watch movies like from from the reverse like the sequel than the original i've done that more times than i like i there's one movie called reeker where this demon smells really badly before it kills you and i watched like the third one and then thinking that it was the second one i watched the one before it i just ended up watching them all in in reverse and it was kind of better actually well because it's only gonna it's only gonna get better usually if you go that's an interesting concept wow this first one's a piece of shit (laughs) well now you've piqued my interest too Reeker. i've never heard of that a demon that smells like shit really cool there's a lot there's a lot that comes and goes and as far as like my memory of of movies and stuff i i had to do a refresh on this movie i've seen this movie a couple of times but i had to refresh just today on it because i was like what's the because i was reading your segment list and i was like the opening sequence what the hell happened in the opening sequence (laughs) not much i I can answer that yeah that immediately after watching the movie too yeah (laughs) well i'll be i'm gonna give you guys a little uh synopsis a little breakdown um the movie of course is willard released in july of 1971 Shout out, it's on Tubi. All of the best movies. Tubi Tubi is killing it. Are you use uh Tubi a lot, Clark? I love Tubi. It's it's like where all the trashiest movies are now. Right. There we go. If you're trying to find some animals attacks videos, that good shit. You know, ever since Live Leak went down, you know, we've really needed a you know a substitute for such a website, and luckily Tubi's there for us. Dude, that might actually. Yeah, there's there's uh, Faces of Death is on there. That's like the really? original Live League. It's awesome. It's great. God. What? I, mm-hmm. I'm about to show my age. I don't think I've ever seen Faces of Death before. Even I'm 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 almost forty, so I'm clo- I'm closer to forty than to thirty, which sucks. But the it's it's one of those like even a lot of people my age haven't seen it. Like I, I remember going to Blockbuster. And sit not blockbuster like primetime video and seeing wow. it on the shelves. Did you actually rent it ever? Like VHS? Um, I snuck it into the boxes in between like when I was really young. I stuck I snuck it in between like Ernest Scared Stupid and like uh uh um Robin Hood Men in Tights. And my Die. mom was just like, What faces of death? Oh, your horror. And she wow. walked in while I was watching it. Part uh, five. I saw like an original um, VHS because I like collect some VHSs or VHSs, and I saw a Faces mm-hmm. of Death one recently in, on eBay, and I was so tempted. I was like, "That's so that'd be so cool to have." So like, uh, uh, I'm pretty sure there's like a curse, a, like some kind of curse rumor about them now. If you find like we're gonna find someone that has like a collection of them that died and they sold them all on eBay, something like that, some kind of urban legend about it. What's that? They watched it at 3 a.m. Wishing hour. That's, <laughs> That's the new urban myth. That's like the the foundation of any myth you want to start. Do it at 3 a.m. You're done. <laughs> In front of a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> In front of a mirror as well. Well, I'll give you a few taglines of the movie. Wait, did we go through the synopsis? Well, I'm going through right now, dude. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were giving us like the the story synopsis. My bad. My bad. Oh, I'm just giving you the whole breakdown of the bullshit. Oh, You've yeah, been on this bad. podcast before, right? Well, not sober. This is the first time. Oh, okay. That's so. cool. 
Uh, let's see. I got a few here. The first one, I think this still counts because it was on the poster for the double feature with Willard and Ben. Uh, teamed up to tear them up. Yo. Where your nightmares cool. end, Willard begins. Dude, oh. these are really good. Well, here's the thing. That tagline right there just like shows because it's based on the Willard. Like Ben, the title makes more sense, even though I haven't seen it. They're saying where your nightmares end, Willard begins. Are we supposed to be scared of Willard or the rats? Well, dude, this, if I may interject, this movie feels so much like what Joker was trying to be. Oh, I was thinking the same yeah. thing, dude. Was he trying dude. to create Joker, this guy, uh, Martin? That's how you create Joker. I, he was it, just one bad day away. I mean, Clark, what do you he think? He was literally everything that could go wrong went wrong for this poor guy. Like his his dad's business partner stole his company. He's kind of a schmuck. He's not good at even the shitty job he has. His house falling apart. His mom's crazy. That old blonde lady's trying to bang him. <laughs> All kinds of crazy stuff's going on. Wait, the old blonde lady was trying to bang him? I I I wrote down here specifically Charlotte. Uh, where did she go? Dude, he's got. Oh, I know Charlotte. I, I got notes. She's the uh, mom's friend. First, yeah. yeah, the mom's friend was like she had a weird. I feel like she had like a weird like I'll mother you, but you're also like my husband's not around, so why not? You know? Yeah. Okay. So I, I feel like there was kind yeah, of like a cougar thing going on there. Yeah, a little mommy baby thing going. On. I got you or son. You know, and that's that's way before you know, you know that's the thing right now. Or the you meta, know, stepmom really kind of thing. So I mean, it is. it's like number one on on Pornhub. So I hear. Yeah, and Willard is <laughs> so my source is way ahead me. of the curve. So shout out to really? Willard for that breaking barriers. Yeah, no, I hope he gets. I hope he. I hope he gets it. Well, um, I, doesn't seem like you will though. That is uh, hilarious. Though. Another one on Tubi. They had they show Willard and I think Ben, but then they show a movie for a a, a, a homeless person, and then um, John Steinbeck's of Mice and Men. So I thought that was cool. They're but all related. You can just go for, yeah. Interesting. Humble yeah. Beginnings. I don't know what their AI is doing yeah. over there. <laughs> There's a correlation there, I think. Um, also, oh shit! I was gonna say Home Alone, but that's pigeons. My bad. Never mind. Well, homeless. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. I mean, a, a link there, yeah. I would love it if when they were trying to like buy the house, you know, Willard pulled off a home alone and had all these rats set up in these cupboards and that clock. I really thought that clock was going to have more of an impact on the story. Yeah. It, it's just, it's shown off so much. And I, you would think like, oh, dude, a rat's going to like get in that and it's going to be like some kind of secret weapon or, you know, some kind of crazy rat mech. I'm like thinking, because you know this movie. I'm like, dude, what's gonna happen next? Like, we got this giant, just insane barracks full of rats. I'm really thinking they're gonna like industrialize. That would be sick. Here, this is where uh, Justin Roiland got the idea for Pickle Rick and turning him into the rat, (laughs) the the, the rat mech suit. Do a rat carcass. Amazing, yeah. Justin Roiland was inspired from the clock in Willard. Brilliant. Brilliant, yeah. I do, I do think there's another tagline to mention because, well, actually, there's two more. There's, um, this is the one movie you should not see alone. 
So this is definitely marketed as like a scary ass movie. You say that I as if you it, don't agree. <laughs> I'm sorry, Clark. What were you gonna? No, they, they, I think they were trying to go with. Like, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't want to jump ahead. We'll get to it when we get to it. Okay. Uh, there's, I'm, I'm all over the place here. I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. I mean, I, I see what you're talking about, though. I can kind of pick up the hints, and I definitely feel the same way with what they were trying to do. And it's kind of like maybe just in that in that time, it definitely came off as way more impactful and just kind of horror you were saying about ants. Ants sucks. <laughs> it's not. It's, it, or the, there's another movie called Them, and then there's another one from even further back. They just all kind of like this fucking ants. <laughs> yeah. Step on them, you know? Right. But <laughs> still, though, when you go on the YouTube comments, when I saw Ants on there, the full movie, people are like, oh shit, this movie scared me when I was a kid. I'm like, okay. Like, you say so? I never fucked with the fire ants, like never again. See, fire ants were scary. Those weren't fire ants in that movie, but I digress. They were, yeah. The only other tagline is just because it gives me a weird vibe is that it was, there's two of them that say this just in a different way, but it says, Ben will do anything for Willard. Anything. Oh, that's a good one. It's mysterious. Yeah. It's kind of like, who the fuck is Ben? yeah it's funny i will say too because finding out that this was the first movie and ben was the sequel uh when i found out that the rat was actually named ben i kind of had a little bit of like a, a freak out moment like a almost like a, a fan reaction i was like oh shit that's ben from the sequel and so the entire time i'm like well wait what happens to socrates you know oh too I, soon I think- dude don't bring that up man Fresh I'm wounds. Saying, well, I'm, I'm just thinking in my head. I'm like, well, shit. Wait, if Ben makes it to the sequel, where the fuck is our boy? Yeah, R.I.P. Rip to the, the to fucking yeah, Socrates. Socrates, gone too Dude. soon, man. I had to like killed in the him. worst way of all by Ernest Borgnine. That's fucked up. <laughs> oh, no, the rat acting was actually really good. I'll save that for the acting yeah. too. But um, I'll give you the the actual synopsis. A social misfit, Willard, is made fun of by his co-workers and squeezed out of the company, started by his deceased father, by his boss. Uh, his only friends are a couple of rats he raised at home, Ben and Socrates, and their increasing number of friends. However, when one of them is killed at work, he goes on a rampage using his rats to attack those who have been tormenting him. All right, let's welcome these bitches to primetime. Absolutely. This is it, Jennifer. Your big break in TV. Welcome to prime time, bitch. So I don't have any information on the budget specifically. Um, I wouldn't think it's too much, but also they have huge uh, stars in this. But the gross I have is 19 million. This movie killed it. Like, hey, that's in 1971. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. They, <laughs> this movie like did really well. And I didn't know this till reading up on it. This is really what well, gets credit for starting like the animals influx of everything that we've been covering in the pod and like all the other ones that you were talking about, Clark. This movie like gets the credit because it did so fucking well. It's really weird. They don't have the budget for it on here. 
I would say, I would think it's super low budget, but then it's like, well, you look at who's in it. It's like, well, they weren't cheap. Yeah, at the time, Borgnine was like a big, he was probably one of the head, the headlining names in that movie. And not to mention like the ant, like, oh, let's just say, call it like it is. It's 1971. A lot of rats died making this movie. For <laughs> sure. Yes. Yeah. Like, a hundred percent. Probably yeah, went out of their way to kill some rats. Yeah, yeah. Like they they on camera like stabbed Socrates to death. I mean, they, <laughs> that wasn't any makeup, dude. That wasn't like you know cherry juice or corn syrup. That was just straight up rat homicide. I, I felt like that rat died. Yeah, there was three hundred yeah, Socrates. Socrates. <laughs> yeah, I bet they were wrecking rats. That fountain scene when he's first like gonna like drown him before he lets him out. Mm-hmm. How many rats do you think they killed trying to get that scene right? Dude, that's so, millions. I don't think about that. <laughs> it was really well done, though. I mean, R.I.P. to all the other ones that had to go through that for that shot, but the shot was like perfect. Like they all scamper up, and then one does like a dramatic, like you know, falls in the water a little bit, then leaves. Oh, that yeah. that was a, that was a hard scene to watch. He was like he had to he, he's. Well, are you talking about the first time or the second time? He's talking Wait. about like the la- when he when he's drowning them to get rid of them. But no, no, no. Went back to the first one. Yeah. no, no, the platform yeah. when he's like filling yeah, it up little, with the hose. Yeah, the very first time when he kind of like traps them to like test them if they're like willing to walk on a board. <laughs> I didn't really get the. I don't know. Maybe I'm. You know, I'm not. I'm not like a sigma like that. Like Willard. So clearly, in his mind, he's just on a whole other thinking level. I don't know what he did trying to fill up a little pond. Nearly make the rats drown. Put a little plank. Let them come back. Was it to like establish like a bond? Like, yeah, I saved your life. Oh, that's manipulative. Or, yeah, was he grooming he them? Like, a, he's not a good person. He's not like a hero. Like, he, oh yeah, one hundred. To me, he didn't really be. He, he was so two dimensional until he was like, okay, he made that switch to rat in his head, <laughs> exactly. and now he become like a full person. Now he now he's like, oh. There it is. No more humans. Rat man don't, want, don't want none of that. Yeah, he had to let the rat brain take over. <laughs> That's the message there. Some new synapse just formed in his brain. He's like, rat. Well, rat. wasn't he actually... I thought he was actually going to drown them in that moment and then decide at the last second, fuck it, I'll save them. That's what I was thinking. Was that not I, what he was I doing? I just thought the entire time I was like, dude, you... Get- that's looking like a problem. You need to get that shit fixed. Like every single time we went down in the cellar and they would just multiply. I was like, dude, you No, need no, to I'm get saying at the shit. drowning though. Oh, I know, I know. I'm just saying, like, I was kinda, you know. RIP all those rats. Like, I understand, right? I'm sorry, but like, dude, you gotta get rid of them. <laughs> like, I was just like, you're doing what you're doing the right thing, Willard. Just get it done. I I'm curious how many like wild rat populations were started because of this movie, though. Like in that little, in that so where they filmed. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I they was, didn't collect all those rats again. Oh, I was shocked to see like how many they were actually using. I was expecting a lot of close up shots to kind of compensate for like, yeah, we'll get about like 20 rats, you know, make it look like yeah. a lot. But they had like 60 or like 70 in one shot. It was like incredible. And like them showing like, the infants of like those rats too, like newborns. So I feel like a lot of their budget definitely went on like purchasing rats from, you know, I don't know, like some kind of black market rat dealer or something. I don't know how that works. It was probably, I mean, nowadays there's like legit, like 
there'll be a rat handler i'm sure in the credits oh, yeah, like rat breeders i don't know if they had that then well i i'd like to see i'd like to see how they handled it in 2003 because in 2003 you have like PETA and the and what not the WHO, they wouldn't care about rats, I don't think. But, you know, like animal rights activists really caring in 2003. So I bet it was just top notch. But this, this is the 70s. <laughs> yeah, this, this is like slaughter on camera. Yeah, they, they didn't care. Good. Yeah. That brings up another good point. So I didn't realize the Crispin Glover one was the 2003 one, which, you know, I'll talk about the ratings at the very end of this movie, but. Comparing the two, like that movie is very highly rated. Mm-hmm. The two thousand three yeah, one. Uh, the, oh yeah, the two thousand three is is creepy. Oh, you've he's, seen it. He he sold that. Yeah, I, he sold that as him as being creepy because I I feel like in the seventies, not many people had seen like a movie with a bunch of rats in it crawling all over somebody being attached to somebody they were throwing rats at ernest borgna at one point i saw that <laughs> they literally threw a rat at him thumping against him like off his chest and stuff it's great but then in 2003 we'd seen what we'd seen all the animal horror movies of the 70s we'd seen indiana jones and we'd seen like people like if you'd seen horror movies you'd seen somebody get eaten by rats so I think it was like, well, who can we get to really creep us out? And the answer is Crispin Glover <laughs> across the board. Now I want to see it, though. I'm like, damn, that's how you know this movie did well. If they have not only did it spawn a sequel, but they have spawns a remake. I thought this was just kind of a throwaway movie, to be honest, not knowing anything. Damn. So it's, it's important for cinema. We might have to uh, do some follow up episodes, to be honest, because now I'm like legit curious. I'm down for whatever Christian Crispin Glover movie happens to cross the desk there. Same. But I was thinking seventies. I was thinking he was in this one. So that's why I was confused. What's yeah, I think he like at this he was in he was in Friday the thirteenth part like four or something. The three three? He was in I one. I can't remember one. which and one it was. was. Like he was only kind of like a grown man by that point. I think he was like in his 20s so it's feasible that he was in he could be in in one of these movies yeah it, maybe just a little bit too young but yeah like maybe. i just put those two young oh friday the 13th yeah, he's doing horror movies so this is i just automatically assume this was christmas glover mm-hmm. uh what else about this movie uh writers we got gilbert ralston as the screenplay but then this is also based on a book by stephen gilbert called rat man's notebooks I don't know. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. So they're working from some source material. Um the director's Daniel Mann died in nineteen ninety one. You're gonna see that being a very consistent through pretty much everybody we talk about. That they're all gone. Um he directed seven different actors in Oscar nominated performances and uh one of them Magnani, Anna Magnani won an Oscar for their performance in one of his movies. Uh, on Broadway, he helped James Dean break through into the big time, directing his performance as the gay Arab houseboy in Andre Gaudet's The Immoralist. Let's go. So, shout out. 
Yeah, it's, it's a deep cut. That's <laughs> a super deep cut. Holy crap. Yeah. I mean, I got so when we talk about the actors, um, there's so many these people are very um they're prolific in a shit ton of movies. Back oh, yeah. <laughs> back when these actors were doing like a thousand movies. Um, I just picked out some interesting ones, but you guys feel free to chime in if there's something else you want to mention. Um, of course, Bruce Davidson as Willard. Um, he's still killing it, and he's like one of the few people that's actually still alive. Uh, but he was just recently in six episodes of Ozark, and he was in the, the early 2000s X-Men movies as Senator he Kelly. Was, uh, the Senator, yeah. He's one. He looks so familiar to me, but I couldn't pick out which specifically thing. He's just like to me. He's just a very. He's one of those character actors that's in a bunch of stuff. I, he's like one of those actors who looks like a famous or, or like like several famous actors. Like he, I think he looks like like Barry Bosworth. I think he looks like Barry Bosworth. Okay, see so that name. I know just off the bat. Now I'm like, okay, I need to look up who that is because he's gonna drive me nuts. Yeah, no, I definitely understand what you're saying. Like, he just has, it's almost kind of like he's a mix of multiple, just like super iconic and like well known actors that you almost kind of mistake him for a couple others. Okay. When, when watching yeah. uh, Willard, I was like, Oh, Boswick, Barry Boswick. Barry Boswick. That's the yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, because Bruce Davison looks super familiar to me, yet I, I couldn't pin him on just one movie exactly. Well, I'm sure you're yeah. a fan of those X Men movies, right, Riley? That's yeah, I, he was Robert Kelly, right? In the first X Men movie, um, Senator Kelly. So I don't know if his first name's Robert. Oh, Senator Kelly. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, he's Robert Kelly. Senator Kelly in the first two X Men movies. It says, okay, those were big movies. Yeah. So I saw those in theaters when they were out. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah first they were. They were. They were like the biggest movies of the year that year. When I, I, there, I think I was in high school when those came out, and they were everybody was talking about them. You know, yeah. So I mean, he, he gets some good work. Uh, who else? We have? we got Elsa Lanchester as Henrietta Styles. That's the uh, mom, Willard's mom. She was she was actually in probably the most amount of horror movies, uh, but she was in The Bride of Frankenstein in nineteen thirty five as uh, Mary Shelley the monsters mate which is a huge credit that's right that's where i wow. that's where i know her face from wow she has that iconic like chin the the that was like her big her lips and her chin the were strong like chin. the big thing for the bride of frankenstein for some reason it was really accentuated that on her 1935 wow. that's crazy oh yeah because of the the dimple right mm-hmm yeah, yeah. Okay. I, yeah, I see it now. I'm looking at it. Um, Sandra Locke is like. Um, sorry. Oh no. Go ahead. Uh she looks a little bit like Rose McGowan, ish uh, in her younger years. A little oh, bit. Yeah, I, I was about to say a little bit, but. Okay. Huh. Seeing it. It's crazy. All these actors—they all look like other ones. Because I'm not 100% the best with actors and names. Like I can hear names and i'm like yeah no i've heard of that but if you gave me like a whole like spreadsheet of like you know profile pictures of all of them i wouldn't rarely would i be able to get a couple that are right wow i see the rose mcgowan putting them <laughs> side by side for sure 
this is I'm what you get when like you almost fail high school and then fail college twice and <laughs> because there's other stuff going on. You know? Yeah. All that information, all that unnecessary information that works good on a podcast. I don't need to know math. I, I know I know Tony Todd's first movie. It's cool. Oh shit, what's Tony Todd's yeah. first movie? Now you're talking our language. I I was I I was just speaking out of my ass. I, oh. I have no idea. But oh, Jordan, <laughs> oh, no. fucking pissed, dude. You were fuming, dude. Where are I'm not uh, the mirror for like a month now? <laughs> we're Tony Todd. Uh, we're basically going to turn into a Tony Todd podcast at this point. Huge fan. We say that. Hello, we I, that. Okay. I I I would listen to your guys' Candyman segments. Uh, uh, the uh, the new Candyman and uh, Candyman One, uh, fantastic. I, I I agree with you guys. They were hitting a lot of stuff over the head. Real quick, I'm sorry because I was I was talking to you guys as you were discussing Candyman. I was like they hit a lot of stuff over the head, like too too much. But I think like, you were talking about the bathroom scene with the two with the girls. Yeah, that felt personal to me. That felt like. The director, the writer had an, an incident like that, and maybe she had just seen Candyman and she was like, God, I hope these bitches get it from Candyman for and sure. They, they, that felt real personal to me, yeah, because it was such a branch off of mm-hmm. what they're like, what the whole point of like why everybody else is getting killed. But it was yeah. sick, though. as well. You know, it, really? it was almost like everything was kind of like a, a stroke of precision and like making that scene and like. Although I was kind of more like, oh, like let's kind of, I was kind of in a fucked up mindset. I'm like, oh, like let's see like them getting fucked up. But then I think it was way more appropriate thematically speaking that, you know, we had a little bit of like a glimpse of the horror at through the little makeup, uh, I guess like the handheld mirror. Yeah. And that's that cool. That was, yeah, I, I was like, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I was like, I wish I could see all of it, but then it's like, I understand thematically you want to kind of like hide it to give it to the, audience the viewers to picture in their head just how gruesome it can be did i i forget did the did the girl in the bathroom stall did she actually see anything or did she like i no, I, she forget, was, I gotta watch it again like yeah like she was kind of huddled in the uh toilet just kind of like covering her ears or something like that because yeah. i don't even think she was freaking out because the oh no she had her headphones in so she didn't even yeah. know they were getting killed so and then yeah. she came out and there was yeah yeah just a crime scene and a half i think i've seen that new Candyman three times already yeah i i remember being such a clown because initially i was like you know what it's all right but i was like i don't know i feel like you know for whatever reason because i just hadn't watched the second and the third Candyman, i didn't really realize you know how not so great the sequels were compared to the original so definitely after seeing two and three, I was like, you know what? The remake was actually pretty amazing compared to those other two. Like this one, well, the remake, I, or not, sorry, not the remake, but the, uh, kind of the reboot sequel. Yeah. yeah. It took like, me like 15 years to get over Rob Zombie's Halloween. Like, I'm so <laughs> mad about it. And I think yesterday I got over it. So, Hey, that's gross, man. Yeah. <laughs> It is growth. It really is. And so is that movie sometimes. Uh, fucking growth on, on humanity. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Impossible. I'm glad you were able to get through the Candyman episode because that was like, uh, 
you know, we were still, yeah. I feel like figuring it out then. So like yeah. we do a lot of obscure movies and the ones we have done, like there's only a few like actual popular ones. And like, I kind of cringe thinking about the Candyman episodes, but hope if you yeah. say they're good, I appreciate that. Or at least our takes weren't bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was I, our takes I, that were the same um, grace. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I was just talking to to a friend of mine today, and he does YouTube stuff. I just started getting into kind of like being being like a content creator. Just be consistent and outlast the other new podcasts. Is is what it is. Like that's why I tell Riley than they do, and just keep doing it longer than they do. You know, so which is easier said than done, right? Yeah, assume them. Yes, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> well, let me tell you about Sandra Locke as Joan. Oh, yeah, please. Gosh, yeah. I almost forgot what that thing we were on. dying piece of the 70s. Love that 70s look. Um, she died in 2018 at 74. She was working up until 2017. Um, she was in a bunch of Clint Eastwood movies because they were together. Um, she was Laura Lee in the Outlaw Josie Wales. And she was in Every Which Way But Loose in 1978, Bronco Billy in 1980, Sun and Impact in 1983. She's been nominated for a Golden Globes, Academy Award. There's some crazy history. I didn't even want to get too deep on it just because I didn't want to like spend crazy amounts of time. But there's some crazy history with her and Clint Eastwood and like their whole like uh, battle in court. And she basically like after that, like basically couldn't get work at all because of it and getting blacklisted. So it's some crazy shit to look into. Well, that's that, that boys club. Oh yeah. <laughs> that Hollywood boys club, you know? Oh yeah. Don't hurt, don't hurt one of our boys. And unfortunately that's not going to be the first one. We, uh, not the only one we're going to talk about in this list of actors. Um, Ernest Borgnine, of course, is Martin, the dick boss. So you could probably speak to some more of his like actual roles, Clark, but I did want to drop something for Riley. Says Riley's the, our resident Gen Zer here. Oh, get the fuck out I, of here. I, you know, this is going to be Gen important. Okay. This is history for you. He's, which I didn't know this, he's Mermaid Man and SpongeBob since 99. Yeah. I had yeah. no idea. Well, I mean, clearly you just did not consume enough SpongeBob. You knew that was Ernest Borgnine? I only know Ernest Borgnine from SpongeBob. That's hilarious. Yeah, like, <laughs> to be fair, and it's quite pathetic, although, yeah, I grew up with just being like, yeah, because the, they would do these things on, like, Nickelodeon where, like, it would be, like, the voice actors, so you'd have, like, them in the recording booth, and they would show them, like, doing their lines, because... Uh, yeah. it, it was like I think a Nick and Knight or something, not a Nick and Knight, but it was just a weird segment of like behind the scenes for like you know older cartoons. And so, uh, just being exposed to that, I saw Ernest Borgnine, uh, voice acting bar because I loved Mermaid Man, uh, yes. as most children probably did. He was just a very comedic character. And, uh, funnily enough, seeing that on Nick, seeing like voice actors and like behind the scenes, that's what really got me into like uh, BTS, like behind the scenes set of just like movies and stuff because i just all the bloopers and funny reels that they would do it was just super intriguing but yeah i i knew of ernest borgnine just from spongebob purely until i saw like a couple of movies like i think marty was is he play the main lead in marty or my yeah he won the oscar for marty 
Okay, okay, yeah. I just wanted to make yeah, sure. Like, yeah. I know him from a couple of other movies like that. Like, awesome. Convoy. Was he also in Convoy? Like, 1978? 9? 78? Uh, I want to... I'll just uh, tell you... Oh, my God. 425 titles under his name. It's insane. Uh, it's absolutely Damn. insane. That's nuts. It's crazy that he's in this movie. Like, really think about it. Like, it's almost like they knew this would be a smash. Well, it's like John Lithgow from uh, uh, the Harry and the Hendersons. Dude, the dude's in so much stuff. It'd and when you so ask good. him, like, why? He's like, I just like to work. I'm an actor. What, yeah. what isn't there to like about this? I get to pretend all day long. And he's you just know? so damn good, too. It's really good. There's something about I this. Think What's that? Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Borgnine was like, he was one of those guys that he just, he was a total actor. And even when he talked, he was like, this is like, he kind of had that mentality of like, well, this is life and it's temporary, you know, but like, I get to do like the funnest job in the world. He was in the basketball movie with, with the South Park guys. Was he? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like a lot of people have a lot of like, um, reverence for him like obviously the creators of spongebob to involve him and if the fucking trey parker matt stone are you know like mm-hmm. probably like that was just a silly ass movie they made they're probably like we need Ernest Borgnine. so that, <laughs> that gives me respect right there for him you know this shit's it's about only one this you know get Ernest on the scene you know as they always spoke in the 70s exactly like that yeah. I, dude there's something about this as we're doing these older movies that these actors, though, like when you go seventies and earlier, all those actors were just in a million things. Like they just, mm-hmm. it's almost like a group of maybe fifty to seventy-five of them. Instead of nowadays, there just being so many a billion actors. There was just like this group of maybe even a hundred that were just in every movie. Every movie, yeah, it's crazy. the same villains all the time, the same henchmen all the time, the same heroes and. You could see like the little politics of like who they found out was like had like a drug problem or who they found out was gay or who they found out had like a secret family or you know, all the little things that go on. You see them rise up and down in the oh, well. Now he used to be a hero. Now he's a villain, you know, right? Who's uh, Rock Hudson later in his life when he he started to be like more villainous, you know, we're finding shit out about the poor guy. True. Well, I do want to give one more reference, Riley, because as a Gen Zer, we have to give him a video game reference where he checks out. You have three hours, yeah, so I'm gonna just leave. I mean, it's kind of a cop out because it's related to to SpongeBob, but it's Battle for Bikini Bottom. Uh, not only that, what about SpongeBob's Boating Bash, SpongeBob's Truth or Square, Super Sponge, Hide and Seek? <laughs> Come on, dude. I know you had them all. I mean, I yeah. I I just figured the biggest one out of all those being Battle for Bikini Bottom. But well, I think I'll say that. I'm, I'm only familiar with SpongeBob because I used to watch my niece during the day when I was, and she was, she was like, like two, like six months old, not two months old, but like, yeah, six to like a year and a half or six months old to a year and a half. And I was like, this is the, Fucking best show I've ever seen. <laughs> this is awesome. It really holds up. Yeah, it does. I, honestly, just to like uh, 
kind of gush for a little bit. I'm so fortunate to like grow up with an era of cartoons like, uh, like Flapjack, Mister, uh, Camp Laszlo, you know, Scooby Doo. Just all right, dude. You had your Gen Z moment. Yeah. All right, (laughs) dude. It's so cool though. You can go back to all of it, and there's so much like adult humor, like in those shows that like I never picked up as a small little like, you know, little little cell, little cellular organism. It's cool though, like going back to it because I don't feel cringe, you know, when I'm watching like a kids' cartoon because it's like, oh yeah, there's like still like a lot of like highbrow humor, some Jordan. Wow, humor, if you will. that was a yeah. statement. <laughs> that was a statement. I just started like what, like uh, what is it, regular show and Adventure yes. Time and all this. I love all that. Those are like my favorite. I get really fucking really baked. I watch Adventure <laughs> Time and I have a blast. Yeah. People love Adventure Time. I don't. I've probably seen it, uh, but I don't know. Like that's one of those ones that's probably on SpongeBob level. People like deep reverence for it. Oh yeah, I mean, dude, like reflecting yeah. on Adventure Time, it makes me so like kind of sad. It's like a bit, yeah. Like I'm it's super cool. sad. Exactly. It's like such a bittersweet kind of feeling of like, damn, I'm so nostalgic, and like it had such a like spectacular like kind of closing you know arc and everything about it it was like really really cool to see like how the creators because they've been making adventure time for i want to say seven years eight maybe even nine they they still make them there's some on hbo now they do like 45 minute like long episodes okay yeah because i i didn't know if they concluded it after you know jake and finn's like all right dude epilogue yeah, sorry, we're changing this into the Adventure Time podcast. But yeah, it's right. still super no, cool I'm sorry. Though. I forgot Clark was in it too, too. I was just going to shit on Riley, but you know, if you guys want <laughs> to talk about this now. All right. If you guys want to well, take this got, offline, we got, we got Willard, man. This <laughs> Willard deserves respect. Exactly. That's true. Dude, we're about to get into Willard pretty soon. Like, Well, let me give you a couple. Well, I don't know. I have too much. I don't want to <laughs> ramble on because I didn't. There's one other, only other thing about. Ernest Borgnine that I didn't know that he was one of the main influences for George George Lucas in creating the character Dexter Jetster for Star Wars Episode 2 Attack of the Clones. Oh, it's so weird. I literally saw a YouTube short about uh Dexter Jetster like literally like not even a week ago about that and they brought up the fact that Ernest Borgnine was an inspiration for George Lucas. That's so weird. Oh, this guy. Okay, he's, he's Obi Wan's friend in the cafeteria, or the diner. Wow, yeah, he's inside man. That's. I so mean, it's cool. I would be insulted if somebody oh. were like, "We want to, we, we inspire an alien in Star. You inspire an alien in Star Wars, and I come <laughs> out as a sloppy fuck." Come on. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably the ugliest character in Star Wars. Damn. Oh, fucking bet, Jordan. There's a shit ton of ugly little creatures. We got Jabba. Jabba's worse. He has a has a history of being mega insulting with his homages to, <laughs> to <Yeah>. people. <laughs> he's, just, he's a cold ass motherfucker, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, he, he's vaguely racist too, with a lot of <laughs> like Jar Jar Banks. <laughs> oh shit there's a guy it said also in pow in rogue one a star wars story mm-hmm. which is like looks like a similar creature to and not still <laughs> hideous but i love how you refer to the, these aliens this, this creature <laughs> 
well, similar looking <laughs> creature and design. Do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah, Pow from Rogue One. Yeah, I fell yeah. asleep during I mean, that really? movie in theater. He's also inspired from Urgus. Yeah, that's Urgis. what it says. Really, really, Pow. Yeah, look at his face. It looks like he he uh he just inside like an entire like kind of wrinkly flappy gross species of alien was inspired by Ernest Borgnine. Right. And his poor teeth. Yeah, massive yeah. mouth. Yeah, the teeth. Damn, I guess that's nice for him. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, look at all these massive people paying respects to Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a big deal. He's he very... He has one of the best quotes... He was on on like Good Morning America or something like that, and they it's like eighty at the time he died. He was like ninety six when he died, That's and they're like, how how do you stay so like young? How do you, like what do you do? What's your regimen? And he goes, oh, I don't dare tell you. Which immediately it's like he wants to tell them, and they're like, no, please. And he's like, I masturbate a lot, and he That's amazing. Serious. He's just like I jerk off a lot, and that keeps me young. What a uh, legend. Old Spanky. <laughs> All right. Well, I do want to cover this one just because I found it super interesting. Um, or anybody you guys want to bring up too, but I just wanted to mention Jody Gilbert as Charlotte Stassen. She's like the one you were saying, the mom trying to bang the uh, one. Willard. So she died in 1979, not long after this, eight years after this. Um, got to her. Well, it's crazy. So, in I want to find the specific thing. Oh, so there was a show in 1948 that she landed the role of Rosa as the spectacularly fat and unattractive daughter of Pascal, a supporting character on the radio program Life with Luigi. The show was popular popular enough to make the jump to television, where it ran for a couple of seasons. However, both the radio show and the TV show came to an end in 1953, the year in which an unsuccessful writer called Harvey uh, Narcissenfeld Field identified Jody to that House Committee on American Activities as having been a member of the Communist Party. So this is where that whole communist, uh, the blacklist, yeah, of all his actors got blacklisted. And so this, um, writer like reported her and she is an absolute legend because she like went to the um the hearing and just literally shit on them the whole time and had like the whole like crowd laughing and like going against them and just like sarcastically answering all the questions in like a really funny way they have like the the transcripts kind of long but it's really funny she was just making fun of them the whole time uh for calling her in there but like as great as that performance been, and they said it's the first time anyone had ever dared to treat the committee with contempt, and everyone, the movie-making community was against it, but she was the one who actually, like, did it in public, and the outcome of that was she didn't have a day's work in the next 12 years, and it wasn't until Mm -hmm. 1965 before she started to get small roles on TV shows, and uh, she... In 1969, she was an extra in Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. And then a decade later, during which time she averaged only one TV appearance a year, 
Jody was in a car accident. She suffered massive injuries, which killed her a few months later. And she was only 63. And yeah, that's a rough story, but like what an absolute legend. Yeah. The committee Jeffrey Epstein her ass. Yeah, they did. Holy shit. Yeah, it was a car crash that fatally wounded her. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see what you're saying. I mean, the, we were still deeply in like anti communist sentiments in the seven in seventy nine by that. And I, I that's a couple few years before me, but still I remember like in the eighties people still talking like Oh, he's a fucking commie. Yeah. You know? like, and not knowing I was like five, you know, so I was, I didn't know what the hell was going on. But looking back, I'm like, how fucking stupid is that? And this <laughs> poor woman lost her career. Yeah. Jeez. And she was crazy too and because life. she was like, like they literally cast her as like, she's supposed to be the fat, unattractive. That's every role was like the fat, funny, unattractive role. But she like embraced it. She was making jokes in that hearing the whole time about how she was fat and like, she was just like an absolute legend and like embraced it. There's a saucy old lady. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah. Lived by her own terms. Well, that's all I have for anyone. I mean, you have also Elmira Sessions as Carrie Smith. I think it was one of the mom's friends, like one of the very lesser characters, but mm-hmm. I just noticed, I mean, she died. This was her last appearance in this movie. She died three years later. Mm-hmm. She was born in 1888. <laughs> which is nuts. what yeah damn yeah did you guys have anyone you want to talk about with actors i mean the the most interesting person for me is borgnine that guy's a for legend sure. um he's he's just such a interesting character uh i think he I think I read something about he his his involvement in civil rights at some point that might that don't that might not be gospel, but just a very interesting character. Very, very like a prolific kind of guy, you know? Yeah. It's hard to even cover him because there's so much, not even just that he was in, but just so much attributed to him. So much like just so much, you know, he was in escape from New York as well. Mm-hmm. Like that was what he was the cabbie. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't forgot that, but yeah, just a lot of really cool stuff. He played, it was one movie, I'm sorry, I'm trying to think of it, he, The King of the North, maybe, where he plays like a railroad boss that's like against him. Go ahead, sorry guys. I'm no, gonna, no. Gonna, should... This is going to be a minute. No, you're all good, yeah. I uh, mean, but come on. Are any, all of those are overshadowed by, you know, Mermaid Man. Come on, let's be real here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, for <laughs> of course. The sum of his career. Yeah, yeah. Forgive me. Sorry. He absolutely right. <laughs> it is crazy that he transcended multiple generations. Like to Riley, yeah, he is Murphy. Like, who who else do you know that that was born in when was he born in 1917? That like a six year old now could be like, oh, that's Mermaid Man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty impossible. Well, we made it through the actors. Let's talk about. This spooky, spooky in the uh, the black cats and the goblins. Black cats and goblins and broomsticks and ghosts. Covens of witches with all of their hosts. You may think it's scary, you're probably right. Black cats and goblins on Halloween night. Surprisingly, we're right on track. Usually about an hour in is when we finally get to the opening of the movie. 
So yeah. we're right on schedule, boys. He's got us covered. Well, who yeah, wants to talk about the opening? Yeah, I got nothing. Uh, Jordan, you want to tackle that? <laughs> Clark? I found it was interesting to have a movie about rats in which we focus heavily on the 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 smelting process of an ironworks and then never go there ever again. Right. <laughs> just stay in the office and one old house. I'm like, so, oh, he's a factory that, worker. That was really interesting. Yeah, he's just off. He's like a secretary, I guess. I don't even know. He's a... I want to say because um, Al, I think, is the character that Ernest plays in this, right? Martin, Al Martin. Yes. Uh-oh. Yeah, Martin's like you know we have two departments here, you know the shippers and then the uh, sales department or something. I guess he works sales with invoices and stuff like that, so that way they can get supplies. So he he's purely an office worker in a metal workshop. But I don't know why, for the life of me, I was like, oh my god. I want to see a rat jump into one of those like smelting pots of iron. Like I, I was just like, dude, is it going to happen in this movie? Because we have this whole like, you know, ironworks uh, like facility or like a weird kind of like not warehouse, but only covered by like a single like pavilion because uh, it's mostly outside. Dude, are the rats going to like just storm this beach or something? Like, like I was really hoping for like a rat to jump into like this. <laughs> Just this pure liquid iron or something. And that that's the oh, mech no, yeah, story. Never. That's the mech origins. It is. Oh shoot. The, the iron rat. <laughs> well, yeah, but, I mean, there's not much the about the opening. I mean, it's Willard's birthday, and he's already getting shit on. I know that. Yeah, mm. he's 27, right? It's his 27th birthday. I think you're right. He's yeah, he he's definitely an, an older protagonist for us to follow, and I mean, I I feel like I have to say this. I mean, although this movie is definitely kind of like a a downfall for our hero, but really, like what Clark said earlier, I don't think he's much of a hero. He's very two dimensional, and if anything, he's a little bit of a, a little bit of like just a like a man child with responsibilities. He doesn't do shit around the house. That's true. You know? If weed was invented back then, he would totally be smoking the shit out of it. You know, and, and he well, he dicks around all day in the backyard fucking feeding rats. <laughs> like, it's kind of an upbringing to this, you know, this dark vigilante. You know, he brings <laughs> his own justice. Rat justice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wonder if this movie came out now, because you know when that new Joker movie came out, there was a lot of people mad, like, people that are like, we don't want like incels or alt-right people to see this because they're going to like get ideas. Like, I wonder if this movie came out now, they'd be worried. Like we don't want an incel to see this because then they're going to start training rats and try to like, you know, kill their boss with it and take over the world. Take over an entire like smelting company. Then just the world after that. We're done. Yeah. Once they get their hands on like actual, like raw materials, (laughs) Dude, they're gonna they start be like smithing. weapon forging. Like they'll be starting to weaponize these rats with like bayonets and shit. So when they jump on you, like they can just start pelting rats and they like bayonets. So yeah, they like like I, I imagine like a, a solid blade taped to the top of their head. So when you chuck them and like they're like head first right into your chest, they just start like 
just digging you out like with their claws. Oh, oh, like the yeah. was it brutal way to go out? Was it too fast, too furious? Where they did the trick with the rat on the stomach, and then they lit the top of it so the rat would yeah, crawl in. Yeah. What? Too fast, too furious? Yeah. <laughs> really? They were doing that. They did that in in Game of Thrones too. That yes. was like their torture of. No, we're gonna put a rat in your guts now. But the problem was when I saw the Game of Thrones, I was like, "Well, you would never think you would say this," but I was like, "Nope, Too Fast, Too Furious did it first <laughs> before Game of Thrones, which is crazy." <laughs> yeah, Vin Diesel's finally like, "I got you, George R. R. Martin. I beat you finally." <laughs> Two of our greatest minds, Vin Diesel and George R. R. Martin. <laughs> Battle wits for the ages. This has been going on for like twenty years now, and it's kind of ridiculous. Well, let me ask you this. I'll ask you first, Riley. Was would this movie be scary if you were ten? Um, I think I, if I was in like hospice care, and like just, if just the the slightest touch of an outside animal could kill me, I would be terrified. That's fair. But beyond that, though, beyond those very special conditions, I don't think I would count this as being scary when I was ten. I mean, I would be I would be honestly more freaked out over Willard as opposed to all the rats. Cause to be fair, watching this movie I was like, man, these rats are really cute. But Willard's just like he's on this whole other like grind set that I just don't get, dude. Like he's really kind of pulling off like the Joaquin Phoenix kind of bravado in this performance, dude. I mean, really it was it was terrifying to see this downfall of this this human being, you know, becoming like a rat kin almost. <laughs> rat kid utterly disturbing uh, clark what would you say um if i would okay that was a would pretty fucked scared? up 10 year old but um <laughs> it, it so any animal is great in under the right circumstances a rat un, under the wrong circumstances is fucking terrifying um i again i got i gotta agree with riley uh willard willard creeps me out willard's that guy that like he eats like he eats something weird at lunch like he eats like mayonnaise with a spoon at lunch or something and <laughs> just no mayonnaise yeah no silverware just, just um, and he's oh. always stays skinny you watch him eat mayonnaise with a spoon for like seven years he never gets fat and then one day he's just got a rat friend you're like well that's the end of this yeah like this is it's just downhill from here willard's the issue for sure yeah well you've got to <laughs> Be nice to him, though. Just remember, when Willard's making that list, you don't want to be on to it. work tomorrow. Be the guy that gave him like like the other half of his Twix, you know, like be be the cool yeah. dude for Willard. I guess it's an investment oh, for your future. Willard is so much the more powerful ally than an enemy, because like, you you are done diddly fucked. You are outnumbered. You're outskilled. You're outmanned. Like, there is no stopping it. Like, Willard will, first of all, find where you live because he's just that good. He can hear one conversation and almost like Assassin's Creed, he's got like a quest marker now, like, in his fucking, in his own <laughs> visual prowess. He can just have like a, a GPS, track down your house, deploy these rats, summon them back with just a whisper, and they all just like, like a hive mind. Like, yeah. You got to think too because. Willard exudes these like social outcast vibes because he says like Socrates, the white rat, was his only true best friend. And it's like, dude, you have clearly not talked to humans outside of work. And it's like alarming because yeah. that amount of skill to literally like create an army of 
like lesser minded like lesser or sorry less articulate creatures it, it, it's like an achievement on its own and not many normal men can do that you know he's a leader he was born to lead rats uh, so with the power like that when you said communicate that reminded me of something i've i just found it willard knows what they're squeaking like mm-hmm. that, that squeaking that we're hearing the whole movie i don't think other people can hear that i think because rats are You've been around rats. Rats are fucking silent. They don't make any noise at all. Oh, really? So maybe that's Not even a hypertone a... that only Willard can hear, and he's and they're talking to him. You know, he's on that frequency because he seems to talk to them. Well, that's why I that's thought that. it was like an artistic choice that uh, they didn't include subtitles for the rats. You know, you got to kind of fill in the blank. True. Yeah, because it's almost yeah. as if you're you're I casting the audience into the victim. <laughs> But squeak squeak. It just it doesn't say words. It says squeak squeak squeak. <laughs> oh <my laughs> the bottom. Rats are smart though, man. Uh, if, like from what I've heard, I mean, I don't know, but apparently rats are pretty fucking smart. Yeah, I had like two pet rats. And me and really, my, my ex-wife had two pet rats. Oh, shit. very smart. Yeah. Wow. Speaking from experience, all right. You got the inside track, yeah, because they can like figure shit. That's why we do a lot. Of, well. I don't know if that's why we do a lot of testing, but yeah, it is. Uh, like biologically, yeah, they're very like comparative to humans, uh, just on like a smaller oh, scale. Bodies, but also, yeah. yeah, incredibly like intelligent creatures, as opposed to many others. Like, you can teach them a lot, like, and far more complex. Like, uh, I, I guess like sequences. As opposed to just like uh, I forgot what the specific psychology um, test was with like oh, not Schrodinger's dog that's Schrodinger's cat with the whole cat in the box method, but where you would create like uh, this like audible cue in like an animal's brain. So like when you ring a bell and you feed it, every time it hears that bell, it oh Pavlov fed, yeah Pavlov Pavlovian, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like they, the rats are able to do far more than just that, like more complex, like cues or like triggers, which is crazy, dude. So, I mean, you know, you may think I'm joking, but really, I mean, if you can weaponize a whole just genuine platoon of like highly like intelligent creatures, above average intelligent creatures, you know, they can squirm fit in almost anything, they're versatile. Dude, they can, they're like super rats, by the way, because they jump like crazy, man. These rats are like. Well, know. they, in, there's some place, there's a country in Africa that uses rats, these big ass honking rats. And they're like, like, like little dog, like, they're like little dogs, basically, but they put them on a leash and they dig up or they, they identify landmines. They're not heavy enough to press the landmine trigger oh. so they can walk over it, dig into it a little bit. And show the guy, hey, I found a landmine. What? Damn. Yeah. I'll send you the link for that's that. Like that's crazy. That they're almost like, they're literally biologically created to just counteract, like, trip my, like, that's insane, dude. Now imagine if Willard had harnessed up all his rats and he was, you know, walking imagine. with like 100, <laughs> like 50 in each like, hand. They like they assemble into a motorcycle. (laughs) That shit. That would be incredible, dude. That too. I want to spoil the ending, but it is a shame that the potential for you know Willard 
you know, having the this this army, this kind of uh oh, I, no, it, it's squandered not it. to make a Lord of the Rings reference. I've never seen any of the movies. So I I, I can't but I I, yeah. I forget that every time he tells me. Yeah, I know. I, I have not seen or read any Lord of the Rings material. The only Lord of the Rings material that I've watched, and I hate to say it, fan fiction. No, <laughs> it consumed was uh, the two Lord of the Rings video games, like the spinoff video games. See uh, Gen Z, dude, I'm telling you. Before the Hobbit, I got really into that, but I I was so aware that I was like, you know what. I can't talk about how much I like this game because I haven't seen the movies, haven't read the books. It's just, it's just not right. Are you are you talking about the the war games, uh, Shadow of War and, and yeah, Shadow, uh, yeah, Shadow of Mordor and then Shadow of War. I was really really, really into game. those games. They were fantastic, and uh, for somebody who wasn't into the series, it was super easy to get into, like the lore and everything. And it was really, it's honestly a really kick ass, uh, like entry point into the series i think and like thank god it's a prequel so eventually i am gonna watch lord of the rings with some of my buddies but You're i say so eventually crazy. but i've been saying that for years now almost so the books i can tell you i i have never i, I haven't finished any of the tolkien books <laughs> because like 70 percent of the tolkien books are like songs that have nothing to do with the story and you're like okay now they're singing about bread are they gonna so fight goblins dense. or what? And they don't. Eventually, they do, but mostly it's like songs and stories from like why the elves are going home or like why they're here, like why the dwarves do with it. Like lore, it essentially, like stuff. Not even kinda... like, yeah, lore that doesn't matter for the yeah. story. There's so, <laughs> so much. They're like lexicons of just like, yes, background information you don't need. Okay, yeah, but. It's, it's cool if you read the other stuff, this like the Cimmerillion or Sil- Silmarillion, I forget how it's but but if you read that stuff you'll and you read like Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit, you'd be like, Oh, nerd nerd rush, got it. But yeah. like, well, he was so ahead of his time with that, Gerald Tokens. Now everybody's all about the lore, like give me as much backstory as possible. He was such a master at that. It's too much for me. I don't need it. But like he nailed it. Well he he defined what we think elves are like elves yeah, before right. the before him were like little little dudes mm-hmm. and they're like gnomes kind of and now he made them these tall angelic kind of things and it's so funny too and i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure wasn't D inspired from his writing as well like for the, the most of the lore that you see now is inspired by tolkien he he yeah. set oh. the, the tone for like Dwarves hate elves. Elves hate dwarves. Humans dwarves are douchebags. Like and like elves and stuff like that, right? Yeah. 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 Interesting. And I find it so ironic, too, that like I'm really into D&D and I, I, I love like the world and just the overall gameplay and everything about it. And it's like I haven't even really read the the grandfather, the all-father of, you know, its upbringing and stuff like that. So eventually. It's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's it's the. cooler stuff now. Oh, Sorry. Th- no, I was just saying it's perfect timing because I need yeah. to know the, I guess the bill. How would you describe it, Riley? Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, I would spit, but I'm extremely interested in Clark's answer. How how would you define Willard as a character in D&D standard? No, no, it wouldn't be Willard. It'd be the rats, right? Willard, I, t- or personally, I, I feel like Willard, with the setup he's got going, right, there's two paths you could take. He could be 
a victim of the rats. He could be a warlock, and the rats are his patron. You yeah, know, and he, as as he levels and progresses through this like obsession, you know, he unlocks more of their power because he's able to communicate with them. He's given this insane fucking like, you know, location tracking. You know, he can find anybody just from like the littlest of whispers, and he has like this very specific like telepathy for these rats. But also, you know, it could be that a far stretch could be a sorcerer. He was born with this like ability to communicate with rats, commune with them bond with them or maybe no not a sorcerer i'd probably see a druid since it's with animal wildlife stuff like that but i i would i would say sorry get finished please no no, no please please i, I actually i want to hear I, I pretty much finished that that would be the two base classes like right off the bat just warlock or druid what, what i would think? say like yeah druid for for like that nature realm because like it's a he, he speaks to them in some way shape or form um or potentially because that of that like charisma he's got, maybe possibly like a bard. He's got something about him. Uh, Joan, Joan right? loves him. Yeah, Joan is all up in his junk. And For such a loser, Charlotte, he's got I a dime piece. Charlotte wants to bang Stewart. <laughs> or, uh, Willard, not Stewart. He should be. It might as well be Stewart. Stewart. <laughs> That's a good reference, though. The mouse movie. Yeah, <laughs> this dude. is like Dark Stewart. Stewart little, yeah. Oh, yeah. I a... mean, it's crazy because you see this motherfucker rolling nat twenties like it's nothing. Because all the shit he gets <laughs> away with, like all these women he just pulls in, like in in the very beginning of the movie, he doesn't give a fuck about like uh oh what's Joan? her name? Yeah, Joan. He doesn't give a fuck about her. Like he's honestly just kind of like hose mad mentality. Like all about the grind. <laughs> That's all he cares about. And well, he's you know, so beaten down. Yeah, like he's just had enough, so he doesn't give. He like all humans to him are nothing, trash, utter waste, rats. It's like salvation for him. I even put Jonah's as a Yoko, like she's trying to break up the Beatles. <laughs> Willard, Willard, and the rats are the Beatles. Oh, one hundred percent. Oh my god, what? <laughs> that's so on the nose. But then you got Ben and fucking. Uh... Willard, they're like, you know, Paul McCartney and John Lennon, you know. They're both just yeah. huge powerhouses. Wait, are you talking about Socrates and Ben or Willard? Oh, well, then, then you got, I guess Socrates would be Lennon then, because he yeah, gone too soon. Yeah, I was just about to say, Socrates started it all, and notice when Socrates died, that's when like all that rat shit, done, man. I'm been, I'm over. Like, he was done with the rat game. Like, he was that's about it. to go into witness protection, you know, drown all those fucking rats, but they just fucking caught on that dude like it, it's crazy like that if you really look underneath the surface of this movie how much of the fucking rats were just you know mind gaming the shit out of uh willard man like they were when his mother died when his mother died and he they were having that like that little luncheon in his house I saw like very much like the correlation between like how we see rats like crawling all over each other and getting whatever scrap of food they can get. I feel like that's how Willard saw his boss and his neighbors and his mom's friends and shit like that. They're just yeah, these, these little vermin crawling for whatever they can get, you know? So that's that's, yeah, interesting. that's, that's the, the beginning of the switch, I guess. Mm. 
Yeah, well, you know, we've all been there, you know, when you're down and out, you're really feeling like a loser, you got nothing to your name, and then just this absolute 10 out of 10 girls just like, you know, all on your jock, dude, just like, you know, trying to get you, even though she knows you're a loser. You know, we've all been there. Come on. Yeah, all the time. It's it's that one hand to pull you out of the darkness, but when you lose that, dude, you go full Joker mode, you go red-pilled. Like, Willard kind of got red-pilled. <laughs> In this movie, dude, Willard's asexual. You know, sometimes you're, you, I, I feel like you're making a joke, but sometimes like the guys that that I see, like that sometimes have like that, like the best looking girl in town, or like like the hottest waitress at like at like a, a bar. Her boyfriend's a fucking loser. Oh, that's, <laughs> such yeah. an asshole. That's a different He's kind like, of loser, though. Jobs right now, but I got these rats, and you know, right. <laughs> He's actually really cool. Like he has all these rats. Awesome. He's so interesting. He's a super nice guy, and he only hits me when he's really drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Only when he's intoxicated does he hit me. So it's all right. I mean, I will say, and he's only drunk when he's awake. (laughs) That those rats you sent in that link of for the from Africa. Those are massive ass rats. Yeah. Oh, I need to see this. But you know what? I'm not a big rat fan, but like those are actually pretty cute rats. They're not like the nasty black looking ones, like the. Oh, say that again. But I knew it was the second I said it. <laughs> Dude, what's up with the fucking black ones? This one's like a, a cute little brown rat. He's massive oh, though. Oh, oh, a mix. You don't <laughs> know, like a pure black rat? He's. It just looks so different though. It looks so you fucking. Clearly, you're look at his ears, though. It's the ears. I will. Huge. I will say though, I'm not much of a rat person. Like, I don't hate them. I'm not afraid of them. But it's like, oh, you know, they're whatever. But this movie kind of made me. I was like, oh, this shit. They're actually pretty cute. Like how Willard just kept holding them, and like you can just pick them up with like one hand. Not and, like, bad though. Little cute guys. Yeah. Like I, I, yeah. I thought they were very cute in this movie. It was like doing the opposite effect for me. You know, and... this horror movie about like rats. I was like, damn, they're actually really cute and like really sweet. Ben had those evil eyes, though, dude. Oh, dude, that motherfucker was scheming, dude. You know, and I was just shitting on you, but I mean, that motherfucker, like, from the get-go, I'm like, Ben, there's a fucking C. You got, like, obviously I was spoiled, because we have the sequel, Ben, but even then I was like, dude, why the fuck are you in the, why are you the main cover title of the second movie? That shit was cracking me up. How did they get, like, that shot of, like, you'd, like, the evil eyes, like his eyes squinted in anger, and they would just zoom in on his face. <laughs> like this is I amazing. They ben, they got Ben super high. I they had to. <laughs> I, I literally him. thought that. Like, did they just blow a bunch of weed in his face? Like, cause he, like he, his eyes were so oh squinty, God. but still open. <laughs> like the lights. I get that all the time. Calling. People are like, why you look so angry? I'm like, I'm not. really. <laughs> just, I'm quite uh, opposite. <laughs> my eyes are just very relaxed. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. I I think we covered the the black cats, the rats, and the goblins. Let's let's talk about some of that sweet sweet corn syrup. I wonder if all this blood is just corn syrup. You know, like these characters are walking around with just corn syrup in their veins. You know. Let's get a shot here. Oh, oh God. Oh, oh God. That's blood. So, this is we could go a few different ways with the kill count of this now. We could say two, because we got, you know, obviously Martin and then Willard at the end. 
But was the mom an inside job? Ooh. I, Jordan, you bring up a fantastic point because the entire time I really thought this movie was going to try to somehow like switch around and make Willard realize like, oh shit, these rats are poisoning my life. Like they're the reason why I lost my mom, why I'm so like disassociated with everybody. But like they kind of went full Joker with Willard, which I like, I'm not disappointed about. I'm like, you know what? Fuck yeah. We have like a, you know, a fallen angel, like this fallen character, you know, turned to the dark side, never to return. But yeah, I, I, Jordan, I agree with you though. I feel like those rats 100% fucking poisoned the shit out of no, I didn't say it was the rats. <laughs> oh, dude. What about the girl, the friend, mom's friend? I never said rats. Wow, dude. You're, you're putting something she else was on. looking through. They caught her. Willard caught her going through like the China. She was yeah. looking for stuff. Yeah. Fucking like minutes after the mother was dead. And she was minutes. right in action. She's like, this is what you need to do. Bop, bop, bop. Like she was, she had a plan and Willard was obviously sketched out immediately. And she says she called. We can't verify that. Like, I don't know, man. I think it's, I think her name was Charlotte. She had something fishy yeah. about her, dude. She she was she didn't she, call. she called the the boss didn't even let him know for like like the entire morning. Do we know? Did, was there actually a part where we saw him like ignore the call? He right before he went to go yell at Willard for something. He went to go like like talk shit to him. He goes, he's about to walk away. And he goes, oh yeah, by your way, your mother's sick. You better head home. And uh. he's like. What happened? He's like, no, no, get the fuck out of here. And he's just being a dick to him. With okay, so we do have she did call, but we don't know yeah. what she did before that. You know, that's that if you're trying to pull off a crime, you would obviously, you know, call if you're yeah. really trying to get away with it. You'd be like, hey, she's sick after you poisoned her ass. So but that was, I you could even say that like Borgnine Martin might have had some, had a hand in it because he obviously wanted Willard's house. He wanted everything that Willard had. Yeah, you know, but it's for a, some reason he wanted everything. It's so, a real whodunit, man. Think about it as a whole. Rats, the rat skater like Ben and and Socrates like got the rats to go upstairs, scared. Er, uh, Willard's mother to death, and then oh, I'm really reaching I mean, here. I, I, will, I will be honest with you. I feel like what it was. I feel like Socrates and Ben were like the angel and the devil on his shoulders. You know, Socrates was level headed. Oh like, shit, bro. Yeah, I mean, because realistically, notice how you know Willard didn't kill anybody until Socrates, until Socrates died. died. Holy until shit, Socrates dude. died. That's when she, he just fell straight into the abyss. That's when he was like far gone. He couldn't be saved. And so and he went straight for it. He told him he was like, you killed my friend. Like mm -hmm. you like this is why this is happening to you. Like, yeah, enjoy my best friend. And then he just yeah. summons the army and just like that. They fucking just <laughs> and they consume Ernest. In that case, it's not a coincidence then that you have such different names you have socrates who's almost like a jesus figure in terms of like knowledge philosophy yeah. like yeah. reverence and then you have just ben and of ben. course the white and the black the bane of good and the evil the pure and the yeah there's something there riley i'm liking that oh 100 i mean because it's all yeah. there it's you know it's just gotta put the, piece. the taking you know 
I, I truly believe that, you know, Socrates, and, and it's kind of poetic too, how, you know, in the end, you know, Willard kind of has like a Darth Vader moment in episode six where he realizes, you know, he tried killing all these rats and like they're, you know, after, you know, trying to get rid of his past and absolve himself from his sins. He's like, no, you guys have to fucking leave. Like, get the fuck out of here. I'm done. I'm no longer, yeah. I'm no longer the man I once was, you know, so he, he's you trying to get man. back to that moment of, you know, being, he's trying to step up to be the Socrates that was always with him. <laughs> and they, they just fuck him up. You yep. know, he, he's, he's a real rap bastard trying to do the right thing. But yeah, the pack. <laughs> the pack. Oh, what would Socrates do? You know? Exactly. He he just wanted to, you know, he wanted to fill in the big shoes that Socrates left because he was the level headed person. He kept Willard happy, safe, well, and all of a sudden, mm -hmm. dude. And then Socrates in real life died from for his beliefs, man. To put him to the death. Mm -hmm. How did he die in this movie? Well, for his only beliefs, man. <laughs> And it's so funny they had the uh, like Jody Gilbert had that whole issue with with communism because what's more what's more socialist than a pack of rats you know like it's, it's, it's kind of everyone eats or you don't eat you know mm -hmm. get fucked very true <laughs> well said get fucked <laughs> yeah you get fucked that's it well <laughs> why not both that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. Well, you can't. I mean, dude, it's either or. Like, can't enjoy both luxuries. Either you're eating or you're I mean, fucking. It, I mean, I guess that's is like the the. You could either say like you can go the Socrates route and say like, oh, everybody eats, or the Ben route, and the biggest eats, the baddest eats, and oh, get, so he, or get yeah. Fucked. He's drunk on power. <laughs> he wants to eat and get fucked. Like you can't be doing yeah. both, man. Well, you, yeah. You showed his baby. Was that Ben's babies? Was that were they saying that was Ben's babies in the oh, beginning? I, I feel oh, like really? knowing Ben, he would totally spread a seed across this rat. Topic, Ben's fucking Ratopolis. If there's one if there's thing I'm sure about, <laughs> yeah, no, dude, Ben was like, because here's the thing, right? I mean, you gotta like think about how strategic Ben was. You know, he's like the second man. He's the left hand man of Willard, and Willard's the boss, right? And you know, got Socrates. Yeah. You know, the the almost the son, the best friend of Willard. And, you know, Ben at first was very envious of Socrates. He was jealous, but you know, he was scheming motherfucker. He was truly a rat. You know, he was building an army, you know, and he's like, Listen, guys, like he, he's raising this army and he's like, You're gonna fight for Willard. Yo, but when Socrates is out, you work for me. Like he really kind of pulled an order sixty six on Willard. He was like, All right, dude. Yeah, like the the gig's over. Let's fuck him up now. Like he's done. Well, let's call it like, or I like I like I would maybe say, like Willard had a pet rat in Socrates, and Ben had a pet human in Willard. Oh like, shit! Willard yes. Willard was Ben's ticket to like the human world and like the good eats, you know, like mm. the good cheese without mold. I like that. I'm, I'm liking this, man. There's so this movie's deep, man. Oh, it, it, it's. <laughs> I don't think insane. it is, though. <laughs> no, it's not at all. But the fact that we were able to just do this, man, is so much fun because there's something about like I don't want to say these bad movies. I don't think it's a bad movie, but like in the sense of like these whatever you would call these movies, like you get so much out of it because you oh, you're like 100%. digging for something something there because they don't give you anything deep, so you make it up. 
And the silly well, part not, is, oh, go ahead, Clark. Sorry. Well, just real quick, it's not you're not watching like like I, I don't get me wrong. I, I love the Marvel movies. I love the hero movies that are coming out. I think they're fantastic. They really it's a it's a triumph of art for the for for the industry itself. But then they they don't leave any room for interpretation. Like that was so cool about like mm-hmm. watching like a berserker scene where in like Friday the 13th where like some stuff they kind of had to leave out because it would look stupid. Now they can just do it with a computer. You know, it leaves so little to the imagination. You can really think deep on a Willard, you know? Yeah. That's so true. It's so like, that does make these animal movies um, interesting because they have no prophecy. What? Prophecy. Yeah, well, there's no, I mean, at least prophecy has some practical effects, but like you can't, when you're working with ants or rats, like you're so (laughs) limited on what you can actually make them do without CGI Mm -hmm. or anything. So it's like, it does leave, like they have to go harder on the story because they can't just make crazy effects of them killing people. Yeah. I I will say, although unintentional, probably, I feel like a lot of how they really orchestrated the story and I guess the overall like arc of Willard uh, was almost ingenious by the fact that it's so open to interpretation. It really is like weirdly enough, although we were like, you know, kind of jesting and like, you know, making goofs and gags about how Ben is like the evil bastard and Socrates was the level headed guy. But that is really kind of what happens when you interpret it. Like literally it's like, yeah, like Socrates was kind of that like lifeline for Willard. Like, you know, making Willard, like, still this normal, like, kid. He's 27, but still, like, you know, he has that mindset of a child. And when Socrates died, that was truly, like, traumatizing for him. Like, he was throwing up in the bathroom in the next scene. Like, he was, he literally watched his friend die in front of him. That and was his so, Joker moment. Huh? That was his Joker moment. That so, 100%. That yeah. was or his, his Batman moment. moment. It could have been. Like, Batman's oh, parents it dying. It could have yeah. been. It didn't go that way, though. It did not go that way. Well, it's like, normally, like, if I watch somebody, like, hurting my dog, I would fucking turn into a goddamn animal. Like, right. I, would, uh, like I, I wouldn't be able to control myself, but you watch him, like, you'll get, like, you can almost hear in his head, like, I will have my revenge. You know, oh, like, yeah. he, he's watching this happen, he's like, I'm gonna fucking kill you so hard. <laughs> and oh, yeah. It, it, it's almost like but a it's all moment. In there. Yeah. Yeah, like you really feel that kind of like that Shakespearean like heart wrench of like your child, like your your own beloved like friend die in front of you and you're like, dude, your reckoning is fucking nigh. Like it is about to go down. He really does. I'm not gonna scream, I'm not gonna cry, but I will get you. We gotta give yeah. Willard credit because he has the patience of a saint. Like he gets shit on so hard, like so hard throughout this whole movie. And really, until they fuck with Socrates, which once you put it in perspective of like, if your dog and for him, he might be a little bit more loosey goosey, like might have a screw loose. So to him, it's like his child. Now it's like all bets are off, dude. (laughs) Yeah. Well, he's also he never. Yeah, you said that. And I just kind of flipped the script on Willard. He never complained once. He really, no. he never really complained. It was, it was infuriating only to be too much that he was whiny. You know, he had optimism that's like almost mind bending. 
Because you're People starting to get mad. For him, because he just wouldn't speak up. He wouldn't speak up about, you know, yeah. working like a minimum wage job, you know, working weekends, you know, you know, 25, eight hours, like insane, like time crunching like crazy. While his boss that is like. sounds like 2022. Yeah. Like he was <laughs> living in the 70s, which is like just insane. And really, uh, I was going to bring up something and I'm kind of losing it at the moment, but definitely with. Uh, I mean, his oh, boss know, is banging go, go the ahead. fat secretary in front of him, flossing eight grand on this dude's vacation. Just like, even though he knows this dude can't afford his house, he's purposely and talking. Notice how Socrates wasn't with him when he was doing the heist. Yeah. Wait, yeah. what? Socrates wasn't with him when uh, Willard did the whole heist, taking the eight grand. So yeah. did he get money? I, he never. He wasn't successful because he blew the. He botched it. What? He botched the no. robbery, didn't he? No, he didn't. No, 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 no. The whole, the whole scheme was to scare uh, the guy and his wife out of the house, and then he would take the money out from his wallet because he got it. He had half of it on a check and half of it in his wallet. So he got he, right. he snuck yeah. four grand. He did get it. He did get it. Yeah. Wait. So he was in the yeah, clear yeah. after that. Well, he was in the clear for selling his house on that week's ta- or that year's taxes. Because it was twenty five hundred. They were going to sell the house if he yeah. couldn't cough it up so he he stole from the guy he scared them out of their house but socrates wasn't with them it was him and ben it was ben and his little you know skirmish his skirmishers willard did have it all it's the monkey's spot willard had it all he he got he's got the girl he got the money to at least extend a little bit he's about to get a new job all that happened was ben snap dude (laughs) he got (laughs) jealous right it was like Ben. Ben was watching him. Ben watches Willard like, like get the scraps. Get you know his mother's like, oh Willard, stand up straight, whatever the fuck she says. And then the whole time, and then he's watching Willard's boss because Willard tells the rat tells Ben everything. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like this True. guy. He's a fucking asshole. He took my he took my father's company. And Ben's like, all right, so. So be a rat, man. Like go like, like, take his <laughs> stuff. You know, about it. let's get that. <laughs> yeah. shit. Let's get that cheddar. Was, you're right, but Ben's like, come on, let's go get his money. Let's go get his money. Fuck this guy. Yeah. Well, oh, it's so great because I feel it's so weird because we are making so much out of like, you know, very brief moments in this movie, <laughs> but it, it feels though like it was so intentional, like intentional. Like it really does feel like genuinely. Ben and especially with the sequel or being aware of uh, a sequel being out there that yeah Ben is ultimately what was Willard's downfall Socrates is keeping them together and then when Socrates bit the dust when the good die young you know Ben sees that moment and he's like you know what Willard it's time to fucking it's time to you know start some shit let's start to take some action you know you're gonna grow the fuck up you're gonna speak up for yourself and then after that, dude, Willard sorta. became yeah, sort sort of. I'm getting halfway there, and then I'll I'll chicken out. But I, I wanted to know I I I must have missed it, or they just didn't. Maybe they cut it out of this version. What happened with the cat? Oh, he just gives it to a random guy in a phone booth. Yeah, I thought he would come back for it. I guess not. Though I really yeah, expected right. to kill the cat. I I don't know why. I thought they were gonna do something pretty crazy. Never yeah. Yeah, they could have done a little more with that. Because he's like, "Yeah, I'll take care of the cat." Well, but, I do have to yeah. ask you guys too that no. your your um, what's your favorite kills? Even though there's so few of them, 
Out of the two, yeah. What would you say, Clark? So every like when I watch like stuff like this, I would I ask like how would like Tom Savini have done that kill, or how would like James Wan done that kill if he were making like you know the James Wan version of of Willard? It's the '70s. They think they did the best they could. Mister Martin, Mister Martin, getting chewed up and getting rats thrown on him. And then just being just flying out a window. No, yeah, yeah. And that's that's yeah. what they were throwing the rats too, pelting rats at them. Yeah, just like yeah. fucking. I would love to see the behind the scenes of them just scooping up rats and just throwing them at the guy. I hope he was like. I hope there was like a scared stagehand or like a scared prop, like a prop assistant that was like, "Oh boy, like my first job, I have to throw rats at at Ernest Borgnine." I hope Borgnine <laughs> took him aside. He's like, "Is it your job to throw rats?" Yes, sir. You throw those fucking rats like I'm a goddamn I'm a I'm a catcher at Yankee <laughs> Stadium. I want to feel every rat. And he's like, yes, yes, Mister Borgnine. I hope that happened. I would oh. agree with you if I didn't have a fact here. That's kind of nuts. That uh, according, well, according to an issue of TV Guide released at the time, Ernest Borgnine had to overcome a fear of rats prior to filming. Ooh, which is nuts. Damn, dude! I like him even more now. Right? I like. How do you overcome that for a movie, dude? That's dedication. Riley, what's your favorite kill? What? What's mine, Jordan? Yeah. I will say, although Ernest Borgnine did have the more action-packed death, I think that prolifically speaking, I think Willard dying was definitely kind of the the shocking revelation of you know uh, Ben. You know, revealing his true self, you know, his inner beast and like just this poor man who's literally raised these rats from birth and just, you know, har- like uh, not harvesting, but um, like, you know, sheltering them, you know, feeding them, you know, being nothing but like a great father to them all just to the, the fucking flick of Ben's little tail. They all just eat him alive. I would, I would. I think I would have to go with him too. Curious though, I do like the attention to detail though that both of them got eaten after because you know rats, you know, they're gonna eat you. Like, yeah. Oh, they, yeah. They will find fast like, too. East. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like a oh, just because the Ernest Borgnine character is such a dick, we're gonna have the rats eat him. It's like no, they're gonna eat you. All everybody gets eaten after they die. Probably the mom. That's why she was missing. I bet the mom got snacked right up before he could even make it home. <laughs> that's why she was <laughs> um i do have a lot of like tidbits so i'm gonna kind of blow through some of them um we did talk about how this was because it was such a banger of a success that it inspired all the animal themed horror f- films in the 70s um according to ernest borgnine's autobiography though the studio offered him a choice of either a high salary or a percentage of the box office and he chose the higher salary Wow. So he might have missed out on a lot of money, fortunately. Yeah. He probably had, I mean, I don't want to he talk till tell you. Probably maybe he had some kind of junk issue, you know? He probably had some kind of, you know, he wanted to, he had, he's trying to get some drugs or booze or something. Or he just or thought maybe, it was going to be a failure. <laughs> financially irresponsible. Yeah. <laughs> he's probably like, this movie ain't doing shit. Just pay me. Yeah. Nobody's going to care about this. Those stories are so sad. I think that John Hedder, famously too, from Napoleon Dynamite, he took the salary. Oh. And Paul 
Pedro, the dude who played Pedro, took the percentage. Yeah. So he got bajillion dollars, like probably still to this day. John had to read like nothing, which is fucked up. Which is bullshit in itself. It is. They shouldn't actively be like, well, you're going to pick, you're going to pick, which one do you think is going to be worse? <laughs> right. And, then... and when you're a struggling actor, I mean, Ernest Borden wasn't struggling, but when you want, need, you just need a payday in general, like you're going to take the guaranteed. So it's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Well, um, the, this this movie too when you talk about like the 70s animal horror they there's a lot of like in the 70s especially not dystopian because this isn't quite dystopian but more like a bad ending it's not a happy ending for the hero the yeah. hero loses specifically it's it's just sad the 70s for some reason were chock full of that shit I love that though. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. I was about to say. I really like that. It's, uh, it's better than the sunshine and 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 moonbeams happy ending that that Hollywood always kind of has. Yeah, exactly. I kind of hate, not hate, but I am way more biased to liking a horror movie that has the balls to end in some darkness and not like try to smooth that over. I hate when they patch together like, oh, it's actually all good, even though all of our friends die and stuff. Like, I prefer yeah, the darker. If, if you're gonna do like a like a happy ending for a horror movie, you have to try really, really hard because it is far more challenging to make a happy ending for such a you know like grab like say trying to give a happy ending to like Friday the Thirteenth. Like yeah, there's like a couple movies where it's like oh yeah we make it out, but like they kind of do. I feel like that the standard is yeah. There's a final person they make it out. Um, yeah. There's a difference between like um so like. Like when you look at like House of a Thousand Corpses or uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, though, it's like even though they made it out, there's so much despair oh, yeah. to it that it's like mm -hmm. you definitely don't feel happy. <laughs> no, yeah, you can see like the trauma like attached to the people. That's the best thing. Like when when you talk about like you said House of a Thousand Corpses, I think that was in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Those two, I think, were like difficult for people to film. They were difficult for the actors. They weren't sleeping. They were tired. They were hurt. They, you know, they were filthy. So at the end, when they're like, "Okay, you're insane now," it's not a stretch, you know. Like, right? They, they're like, yeah, "I'm fucking nuts." They broke you. Yeah. <laughs> so doing this for you. It sucks. <laughs> That's so true. Um, I do have a fact about the house that it uh, the house that was used as the you know the family home the styles house uh was also used in witchboard from 1986 waxwork from 88 and elvira mistress of the dark god damn that's where wow. I, that's for sure where i know it from really <laughs> where i know it from yes i yeah, wonder I, I saw the house and i was like that looks really familiar but yeah one of those elvira movies it might be mistress of the dark references uh this movie willard i can't remember which one it was though uh let's see what else bruce davison and sandra Locke were dating in real life at the time this film was being made in 1970 they never appeared as a couple in public because Locke was married though damn lock was wilding out there damn. dude <laughs> uh the scenes with the they're, rats they're it girls you know in hollywood they they like got got 
they went, you know, like, uh, what's her name? Marilyn Monroe. You know, she like every big name at the time she was connected to in some way, shape or form, you know, and it was like, cool. That's why it's like, it's funny yeah. that there's so much emphasis now on like, uh, I don't know if you call it sexual liberation or whatever it is. It's like, yeah, that's a now thing. It's like, dude, no, that is not a now thing. <laughs> like it it's was going on. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been a trend. It's just, we're more encouraging of it now and we're true. less willing to call women sluts and stuff. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> But Hollywood's a separate is place. Progress. They've yeah. always been doing that, I feel like. <laughs> uh, this film was the first theatrical production from Bing Crosby Productions, which I did see in the beginning. I was like, what? Um, since it was the first theatrical pr- film from them since it's purchased by Cox Broadcasting in 1968. By 1971, Bing Crosby was no longer associated with it. Um, after they, I guess they did a bunch of movies in the 40s and 50s. Uh, but Bing, Cos- Bing Crosby Productions also produced a sequel to this film. Ben. 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 Benny. Uh, rat bastard. Al Martin, a.k.a. Ernest Bornine, asked his secretary, uh, Alice, to procure $8,000 in cashier's checks and cash for Walter Spencer, who's going on that vacation. Um, eight thousand in nineteen seventy one is equivalent to fifty four thousand in twenty twenty one. So take that information wow. with what you do. What you want? That's the fucking bananas. And it has like it hasn't. I'm about, I'm about to drop a political thing real quick. It just hasn't changed. Like it's just it, like I think that's what it is Willard. Willard was like. So attuned to the rats, because that's really what he was. He's just he's another one of a billion rats that scrounge for something, but the guy above him just has it all, you know. So yeah, that's got all the bread. Pretty I think that that was one of the more important scenes of the movie when when he's we're watching this money, this this money at transaction take place, you know? Yeah. And they knew what they were doing, flexing on him. And out she right after goes up to him, like, wow, eight thousand dollars. We could really go crazy with that kind of money, huh, Willard? Like they're really flexible. You know, that money, was breadcrumbs yeah. in the grand scheme of things. Uh, grand scheme of things, mere breadcrumbs yeah. to Al Martin and whoever well, that one guy—I forgot his name. Like, well, how about this? According to Ernest Borgnine, during filming of his character's uh, death scene, he was smeared with peanut butter to attract the rats, so it looked <laughs> like they were attacking him. That's cute. Uh, uh, you don't want to know what he did off camera with that peanut butter and those rats. Well, yeah, the test yeah. Of had to make sure it worked. Those allegations still have a Those me too. We're still waiting on once those rats start Sweet. talking. Yeah, most of the victims have all sadly passed away. However, there are like a handful left. How long do rats live? I would say uh, rats. I had I had the one rat for like three years, and the other one lived like a year longer. Really? That's it? Um, but the one that, yeah, the one that survived ate the other one's head. Oh, rats don't give a fuck. No, no, the rats are hardcore. They're so <laughs> hardcore. Are, no, no. Damn. I can tell from Ben, he is kind of a real life example of like a unadulterated rat. No, no, you got to put it in perspective though. Rats don't give a fuck. But now, if you think Ben is the evil mastermind, the real dark horse here, he doesn't give a fuck for like rats who already don't give a fuck think how fucked up that dude is 
Ben's the Joker. Yes. Yeah. If you, yeah, that is kind of like a crazy little plot twist. No, you know, Ben is fucking. Who's like the ultimate evil? No remorse. I mean, definitely evolved Joker is for sure. Maybe he's evolved Joker. Yeah. Willard is blossoming Joker. Yeah, he's he really critter is. Joker. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. He he's just the, the critter. Like you got this fucking yeah you got this whole movie thinking like oh it's named after willard he's clearly the victim he's going through the transformation and we see a transformation but you know ultimately it's ben that goes through everything he goes through you know the five stages of grief you know socrates being in willard's life how socrates is always that he's in denial and he's trying to you know wager with willard he's trying to like be his like equivalent other uh he he then becomes uh like just enraged like a fury you know just storms over his mind and then eventually he gets depression and then acceptance and he's like you know what fuck it you know if i'm not gonna be the best socrates ain't his fuck gonna be the best either strategically takes socrates out through the hands of fucking al martin uses al martin as this weapon as soon as Socrates is out of the picture, Willard is completely in shambles. He, he turns into this raw resource that then Ben can take. Wait, so you think Ben was orchestrating it the whole time? Oh, 100%, I feel. Yeah, no, you, you can definitely theorize. That's a bold, I don't know. Ben dipped out. Ben, and that's the thing. Ben didn't care about people seeing him. You know, mm-hmm. so when, when, when Socrates got caught and there was no Ben, that, yeah, that makes you Riley's got like, a point. Yeah. like hmm, where did ben go and i like, saw yeah. like a deer in headlights he's like oh shit like ben where are you and fucking out comes in with that stick takes him out damn ben had an escape plan the whole time that is fucked oh. up Socrates yeah, well, is a sacrificial lamb yeah Ben was the one making the sound in the broom closet so when the woman oh, on it, yeah Socrates so is on the top shelf and he's just like yo ben where you at dude ben's fucking sneaking into the cupboards making sure that he's not seen you know, camouflaging. Yeah. Damn. Well, what else See, did you expect? Levels and layers. He's the evil oh, mastermind, man. Mm-hmm. Well, the only other fact I have is that in the scene where Willard is, well, basically where Martin's about to get killed and he's threatening with the stick that he used to kill Socrates, Bruce Davidson accidentally hit Ernest Borgnine on the foot with the heavy stick and Borgnine's angry reaction was real. You know, obviously they made up after that point but that, that's why we got I that angry it. reaction which I do remember his reaction it almost made you say Riley's gotta go through now um, this is Riley's favorite part where I say no not like this Ugh. <laughs> Sick. no not like this not like this I see it this is wrong Nothing I can do. He's got to run his course now. So this is where we talk about plot holes and tropes or anything like that that you want to talk about. Um, Any continuity issues? I really, you know, I feel like this entire time we've almost been just like gushing about all of the strong continuity with this movie. And all the connections and the seams all coming together to just weave this, you know, this blanket of just despair and tragedy. So really, <laughs> I guess the only thing that I could, 
validly say that's a little bit kind of like forgotten or just not cared about is straight up like the cat Chloe. Like he drops it off the first day he gets her. And then when uh Jody comes over, she like she's like, Oh, where's Chloe? She doesn't give a fuck about the cat anymore. Like she just kind of forgot the cat existed too. Like she never looked for the cat. Yeah, and like he just gave the cat to a random stranger and the stranger I guess didn't look at the little a name tag on her collar and like tried giving it to like you know a department or something to call for a missing cat so yeah that, the, the cat that's the <laughs> that's one the only, yeah that's the only branch that was kind of just on, like yeah just give it to this random guy and then leave and then never come back to it that's kind of the only real thing that I, I really thought because the cat was like threatening the rats and I thought Willard was going to be like we got to fucking kill this cat but in the back of my mind though I was like, well, Socrates is still there. So he's like, hey, Willard, chill. Just give the cat away, dude. He doesn't mean it. Like, he doesn't know any better. It's a cat. He's not as smart as us. And then he just gives the cat away. You know, he spares it. But if Ben was in that backseat, dude, you damn well know that cat's going to get like a fat car wheel to the head or something. Just fucking throw that dude under the car. Like something, like some Mad Max shit. Like really just pelt that poor fucker alive. He'd probably end up like controlling the cat and then he'd have another like he'd really up his <laughs> he'd game hypnotize the cat yeah, ben yeah. Would, like he rides in on the cat mission. you know that's a steed <laughs> yeah so he just comes out riding the cat yeah oh my that, god that that same i i don't think that the the cat would have been cooler if they if the rats like if you if you know willard put the cat in the house and then came home and found just like a cat skull like on his yeah. bed or something like that like the yeah, rats really just cool. like that would, that'd be cool but yeah because i would have liked some conflict weird. like if he's really in despair i would have liked the conflict with joan so she gives him this cat and then for some reason the rats you know kill her or whatever and then she flips out then there's then this dude is so down in the dumps and that's when the ben fight happens it, that would make almost more sense than he just looks over when he's talking with Joan and he's got his life figured out, Ben gives him the evil eye and then it goes to shit. I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I agree with that. He should have, there should have been a little bit more, um, they, he, they should have made it harder for him to like turn his back on Joan and the cat in some way, shape or form. There should have been a little bit of like, you know, uh, confrontation. There. Right. Yeah. That's- yeah. Besides that, I mean, this is also the period where we talk about the ending, which that ties into. Um, is that am I missing something? Isn't that what happened? Like everything's all good. They're having dinner. And then he just looks over, makes eye contact with Ben. And my idea was that Ben was yeah. jealous of him and her about to start this new life. Because he was oh. like, I'm gonna start a new job and stuff. Sort of. Um. So, oh, oh sorry. sorry. Yeah. To, to explain a little bit of the ending, what happened? If you just need a little bit of a refresher. So they're having dinner. Like he invites Jody over, and they're eating and they're having like a good time. Like things are starting to go back to normal. Like things are looking good for Willard, right? Um. And then he starts hearing like the the like the little rats going like like that, and he hears scratching. He's like, I think they're scratching the walls. Like, hold on a minute. Let me go check. He goes down in the basement. Ben's amassed a new fucking army. You know, just when Willard thought he took out all of the rats. Wait, he thought he killed them all? Huh? He thought he killed them all? Yes, because he packed them all in boxes. 
and then he put the ball. Oh, that's right. I'm forgetting yeah. that part. Yes. Because when Socrates died, he's like, dude, I'm no more rats. I'm done. Like, it's over. Yeah. Sorry, I have to go. And that's but, why Ben's pissed. Okay. Well, no. That, I mean, Ben has always been pissed, but he couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't bring himself to kill Ben. Genuinely, he's like, Ben, just go leave. Oh. Uh, and Ben's like, all right, dude, I respect your wishes. And as Willard goes to live on his life, Ben just starts handing out his seed like it's a fucking coupon like it's insane like he just creates this giant army like each you know <laughs> it's like a brothel of rats that he goes to and just hits up and he cre- masses this giant army and they start fucking sieging the stairs and then uh, sieging. In, in, a, in a panic Willard slams the door and he pushes Jody out he's like you need to get the fuck out of here like he's being all aggressive trying to get her out to safety and then he goes back to confront yeah. Ben and he's like, Ben, you need to stop. This is fucking stupid. You need to leave now. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I missed a key detail. He tries poisoning all of them with breadcrumbs. That's right. Yeah. And now then, we're... Yeah. And then I was wondering what the that. poison was there. Huh? I was wondering why that poison was on the table. I was like, did he use it? Well, he was He was like, yeah, baking breadcrumbs and everything and lacing it so he could just take them all out one clean sweep, right? Ben catches wind, however, and because he's always he's always looming over Willard, he's always got that watchful eye on uh, Willard. He saw him. He read poison. He read the word poison on the box. Oh, he yeah. like the box is right in front of him. Somebody put a rat in front of the box, and he goes, "That's poison, <laughs> son of a bitch." You know, <laughs> he taught him too much, dude. Willard taught Ben too much, so he, did. he trained him everything, and because of that, Willard lost everything. As a real as Anakin moment. Poison. He starts screeching, trying to warn the others. Like he's literally like squeaking, and you Squeak, get this yeah. shot of in the basement, all the rats like squeaking towards each other, like "Oh shit, there's poison!" And then Willard's trying to like slay Ben because Ben's just—he's like the fucking—he's the—he's the whistleblower. He's like, "Listen, there's poison. Don't eat the breadcrumbs." Like, <laughs> there's this little battle, this conflict of like a broom versus Ben. Ben like swiftly makes it down to the basement, and that's when uh, Willard just busts through. He's, he's trying to kill Ben. And his hubris got the best of him. He was outnumbered, just completely swarmed, just <laughs> vanquished by the hand that he once fed. Or sorry, he was, yeah, yeah, he was vanquished by the one he used to feed. Just tr- a truly Hamlet or Shakespearean tale. Like, yeah, for sure. Slain by his own kin, you could say. What a brutal. That, that was the ending. That, that, yeah, like Ben found out that Willard was scheming to get rid of him for good. Ben was like, you know what, Willard? I'm sorry, dude. Can't believe I missed that crucial piece of like, yeah, he killed him all. Now I'm like kind of team Ben. Even though. Because I remember watching it now that you said it, but it was just such an underwhelming kind of ending, I think, too. Like, so, yeah. Because I know I watched it. But until you brought up the poison in that one scene where the fucking rat's reading the poison box, <laughs> I, I was like, "When? how did this movie end? Yeah, and so it's funny. funny. I will say, like, literally it ends with Willard's corpse hitting the ground and all the rats just swarming him. And it just plays really upbeat credit reel music as you literally see this pan out shot of Willard's dead body in the basement. And then I, it goes yeah. to the metalworks place. I thought it was Ben's it, face was the one. Right? No, uh, ben, no, he he like 
you have that really kind of actually kind of cool stance stuff ben pose like up in the little like raft and then it cuts to willard's dead body as it pans out because as, as they swarm him then it goes to ben and <laughs> i love that to, yeah as well as like oh what the oh like just dying and shit hits the ground and then it cuts to willard just dead and then ben's just like you know looming over him once again but as a vanquished father figure for him like it's crazy it is kind of cold like how just bad shit like doesn't give a fuck like ben is really the ultimate sigma rat <laughs> like he kind of pioneered that mindset of just being so like on a whole other level of like don't stop until you can afford any car you want like a car dealership like if you can't go into a fucking like you know beautiful estate you know somewhere in like california like boulevards if you can't buy any one of those houses keep grinding keep pushing your family keep making children keep making an army like keep keep pushing he's so like I the gary vaynerchuk yeah exactly so i really hope in this sequel we don't see ben get nerfed because <laughs> that that'll be that'll be a little bit crushing we because well we, if we know anything about sequels he's gonna get 10 times stronger dude i well I don't know. And here's the thing, like, is Ben now becoming this, like, you know, Darth Sidious, this Palpatine like character where he finds this child and like, he kind of, he, he lures him. He lulls him into this, like, yeah, he's like oh, a curse. You have no, yeah. He's like, well, no, he's like, you have no friends. Like I, I could be your friend, you know, kind of making a new vessel for Ben's affairs in the human world. Cause he's, he's already got the rat army. Right. But clearly yeah. he, you know, Ben is a man of strategy. You know, he learned from Willard. L again, Willard taught him everything, so he understands <laughs> the human mind more than any rat could ever get. So, with that being said, he he clearly needs vessels. He's he needs ring wraiths. He needs the Nazgul of the human world. I thought you've never watched Lord of the Rings. Drop a Nazgul references. Oh, dude, bro! Shadow War, Shadow of Mortar. Like, I I know the Nine Kings. Fake ass fan, dude. But like, dude, I will tell you this though, man. I mean, really, Ben, I really want him to be this Sauron figure, or like this Darth Sidious, this Palpatine figure in the Ben movie because it's named after him. Willard's a Smeagol. Willard is a Gollum. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. rat ideology. <laughs> yeah, he yeah, had all the power. That, that, that Socrates is Boromir. Satan oh. sacrifice. <laughs> Damn, that's so true. So sad, but so true. The good one, the chosen one, the, yeah. the altruistic one, the light. And he doesn't get a Gandalf moment when he's slain. He's done. Game over, man. That's well, just as a little like uh, just reading the the synopsis of Ben is a a, a boy, a new a young boy, yeah. befriends Ben. So. Oh, yeah. the boy things. Yeah. Damn. Really, Ben's just... A boy and his dog. That was a big 70s kind of day. A boy and his dog or a boy and his monkey. If you're like... Mm -hmm. Clint Eastwood did like seven mm -hmm. movies that fucking monkey. Well, they did <laughs> kind of play it up like at, at least the first half of the movie, maybe even longer. Um, mm -hmm. They played it up very cutesy. Like the music was very cutesy. Like the yeah. score. Like it was almost like... And then like Willard is like haplessly positive even though he's just getting shit on all the time and so it is very like kind of i don't know just like a cheery kind of movie like 
And then it goes all wrong. Pulls the rug right underneath your feet, dude. Right, right. the mousetrap, dude. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, not Ben, because he survives, but we got to send the rest back to whatever hell they came from. Right. Can't you stop this? Can't you call it off? Nothing can call it off. But I'm going to send it back to whatever hell it come from. So, talking about some reviews, got a 6.2 on IMDb. Oh, God damn, that's extremely high for what we've been covering so far. (laughs) Yeah, and it's got a lot of reviews. Like, it's not like, oh, 100 Mm -hmm. people reviewed it. Like, no, it's like thousands of people have reviewed it. Um, 54% tomato meter, which is the critics with 24 reviews and uh, 37% audience score with a few thousand reviews as well. So like actually, especially for a horror movie, highly rated. Yeah. Yeah, Any horror above like six is usually like you get get into really well-made territory. She's Louise. Yeah. I'll watch any horror movie. Like if it's a four above, I'm like, oh, this is worth watching for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. I like four point five and above. I I stopped. I said fuck it to the IMDb uh, really? point system. Okay. Um, yeah. Do you have any? Because I know a lot of people use Rotten Tomatoes. I still I say it every episode. I don't know why I include their reviews. I could care less. <laughs> Although sometimes it does line up with our thoughts more than IMDb. But like, I don't know if you know any other good review sites that you rely on or anything. I, I the reason why I stop with like the like looking at the ten uh, you know at a ten system is because it it's I feel like it 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 changed my my enjoyment of the movie itself like if we're like oh this got a seven so it's gonna be awesome or it's gonna be good or it's gonna be decent and I'm like well what the fuck I'm kind of disappointed you know yeah it's sex expectations for sure yeah exactly I will say I don't usually look it up beforehand at least for the episode that's why i like looking after you so i'm like mm-hmm. oh shit surprise myself or if i do it'll be weeks before and i completely forgot but it helps just setting your expectations so low for horror movies that you're like hey as long as it's above a four it's good like it's worth watching yeah i, yeah. I always tend to like especially with horror movies like i look at nothing i try to get no trailers you know no reviews like as long as i can get the title of the movie in and then where to stream it and as soon as I see like, oh yeah, like Tubi, YouTube, anything, I'm like, all right, just go there immediately. Like try to avoid as much stuff as I can just so I can go in as blind as possible. Cause I like to do that with all movies, but definitely though, um, outside of the horror spectrum, I kind of like check out reviews cause I'm just curious about what people think. Yeah. Not so much. I, I don't look at it to be like, oh, is this movie going to be good? I'm just curious of what people thought of the movie. After the movie. So, like, yeah. Yeah. That's rare. Especially nowadays. Like, uh, I feel yeah. like that idea is very rare. That's exactly how I am. I don't know if you're the same way, Clark, but most people <laughs> they'll read the whole script beforehand. They don't care. Oh yeah, like I have I, one friend. Oh, go ahead, sorry, Clark. I, the, the I get upset about certain things that like don't don't make sense. Like when I heard that, did you have you guys seen the newest James Bond, the latest one? No, I have still not haven't got around to it. Do you know what happens? No. I, I feel I like know. I've heard something, but not off the top of my head. Oh, he does. Yeah, yeah, I do know. I won't spoil. I do know. Yeah, yeah. I was listening to the radio, and they told me they they 
they they killed the ending for me and i only oh, watched james bond they spoiled but it. they killed it and i was like in the middle of the chat i was like fuck you yeah Dick. yeah <laughs> that's the word that? i have no respect for that I don't, I don't care about you know i normally i don't want anybody telling me about the ending of anything even if i know I'll, uh, there's something in the back of my head while watching at some point even though i'll probably forget that conversation happened now i don't care as much because i know i'll probably forget <laughs> yeah unless it's something like i'm planning to see that would piss me off so bad yeah and i think and again i'm I'm super like biased in the mindset of like with horror movies where it's like yeah like don't please don't tell me anything like i want to go in as blind as possible and i feel like as soon as like any bit of detail about the ending is like spoken i feel like i can predict everything that's going to happen quote unquote in the movie and it sucks too because if there are like sequels you know, in my hubris, when I chose Ben, thinking it was like a, you know, it was just this one-off movie, finding out it was a sequel of Willard, immediately going into Willard, I was like, all right, man, so Willard's clearly not going to be, you know, showing up in Ben, so he probably bites the dust, but I, I didn't know of a character named Socrates, I see him, and I'm like, oh, that's super cute, he's got a little I didn't friend, think and I'm do like, it. I didn't think they'd huh? kill, I was like, I don't think they would do it, I don't think they would kill Willard, I'm like, nah, they won't kill him. <laughs> yeah i i was I, in the mindset of like expecting it i'm sorry what were you gonna say clark i would have had him be um like i would have had him survive like like link up with ben i would have had him and ben be like partners in crime after this like he's totally turned his back on humankind that's why i said like put put more of like a confrontation between him and joan make the cat dead and jones be like you're a monster and then he's like well now i'm just a rat man <laughs> You and know, then they decide to kill Joan. Joan. I'm a rat. <laughs> yeah. That would be crazy. I, I wasn't sold they would kill him, so that was actually a good ending in that sense. Mm. Well, yeah. I know you look, you're not a big fan of rating out of ratings out of ten, but um, what would you rate this out of ten, Clark? <laughs> if you had to. How many rats out of ten would this encompass? How many cheeses? I would I would say I would give it um I'd give it I'd give it five, four and a half. No, I'd give it five plagues of rats out of ten plagues of rats. You said uh, five? Yeah, I have five out of ten. Okay, solid, solid, solid movie. Okay, very based observation. I like it, Jordan. What would you? What would you do? I'm on the exact same. Like I'm just a five, and and that's mainly. I feel like. It's almost uh, I I oh, maybe might have raised it by point five just because of our discussion of how much fun it wasn't as fun watching. I will say it's kind of yeah, um, it kind of drags. But yeah, in, in retrospect, in retrospect, I might be biased just because it's this is a way more fun conversation than the actual movie is. But <laughs> you know, I have respect yeah. for it, especially starting the animal craze and everything. And this is, it's also like while you're watching it, I, it, maybe I should give it, no, five is solid because it's it's based on just what the movie is, not what I interpret it as. I know. Because I don't think, maybe they did leave a lot to interpretation. Sorry, Riley, go ahead. Man. No, no, yeah. I mean, I was literally just about to say what you were going to say, Clark. Yeah, I feel like definitely this conversation, talking about it was far more engaging to me than watching the movie, but that's not to downplay the movie at all because i think the movie it it's definitely watchable and like 
a lot of the bits that we were making were genuinely formed though from watching it and what i was thinking while watching alongside it and i was like wow like i mean you do kind of see this kind of like social outcast character kind of belittled and like always you know trudging through like life hardships you know he doesn't have a father his mother dies you know he's working minimum wage like overworked stuff like that this this 27 year old this young kid essentially you know going through all this shit gets into rats and ever since that he just goes deeper and deeper you know it's like out of a frying pan and into the fire so on like a real note i think a lot of the the subcontext or the subtext of this movie uh really you know really engaged us in conversation to talk about it so i That's would true. give this movie like a solid five as well because i feel like it's in that almost kind of perfect median of it's it's a good it's an okay watch but it you can really engage in talking about it afterwards so jordan what you said about it dragging on i can definitely feel the same way because i i would kind of peek at the time and be like all right how far am i in this like oh only 36 minutes like all right well let's keep watching hopefully i'll get through it but uh yeah I, it's just very engaging to talk about after watching it because all the details that you kind of trudge through you can kind of reference and be like oh yeah like you know at this moment when fucking Ben Ben read the poison box, he was like, oh, there's a fucking, there's a word in both poison, a fucking rat, he's gonna fucking poison us. <laughs> Just, like, scenes like that we can take and interpret it in our own, you know, way. You know, Ben and Socrates, the good and the evil. It, it's all, like, really, really, it, it's super engaging, and I like it. I really appreciate this movie for having oh. that level of engagement after watching it. Three fives across the board. I do have one funny thing. I want to read uh, from Roger Ebert a review from January 1st, 1971. Um, and this is, it's funny because it's in uh, the context, of course, is that this movie is a massive success. And since this is January 1st, 71, I wonder, uh, is this before it actually came out? No. I was going to say, it came out in January, right? Oh, I thought it was later. You know, like I thought it was like June. But in those days, too, movies would like yeah, June 18th, yeah, J- July, yeah. Um, so but how movies would go is they would like period, they would spread slowly throughout over the months through the nation, it wasn't just all in one on one day. But uh, he gave it two stars in this last paragraph. He says, But I should leave the ending to your imagination. I want to consider instead the sociological and psychological implications of Willard. What is it in this film that touches some deep buried nerve in the public psyche? Why does wholesome family entertainment fade away while rats make millions? I've thought long and deeply on the subject, believe me, and I've reached a conclusion at last. People have waited a long time to see Ernest Borgnine eaten alive by rats, and now that they have their chance, they aren't going to blow it. Well said. <laughs> but it's just funny, too. Okay. Yeah. Why not? No, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just to say, it's funny the context of like, it, it's almost like someone might talk negatively now about a Marvel movie or something like, or it would be something that's more not family friendly and just being like, why does this Morbius. movie make millions and family friendly movies can't? It's just so funny the context. Well, look at like what we, we, I mean, shit, uh, get into it. Uh, it the news <laughs> yeah, right. just like a few short years later was showing Viet, 
Vietnam battle scenes after battle reports and like, you know, some of the most graphic things that people have ever seen just on the news every night after, you know, around this time period. So I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. That's what. Yeah. <laughs> that's why these people fake okay rats. seeing rats eat people to death. That's so true. Damn. He just dropped some knowledge right there. Um, <laughs> we do have to vote, and you're involved in this too, Clark. Um, oh. Whether this is making it into the famed House of a Thousand Horrors. Now, there can only You're be a thousand. These rats. Yeah. Now, would this movie make it in terms of like, you, there can only be a thousand horror movies at one time in House of a Thousand Horrors? Very tight list. We're not there yet. We got plenty of room, but you still have to think there's only a thousand. Things could be taken out later and switched out if need be, but. Should just make it into the Hall of Fame. My argument is maybe just because it's rats and that's unique. But we have other animal movies, maybe. So I don't know. What do you think, Clark? That's what I I would say. What what else? What in the animal genre do you still have in in the vault? You know, I was hoping you wouldn't ask. I'm trying to think. No, <laughs> no. Um, I mean, I don't know if one's actually made it in though. I, I should clarify. I don't think did prophecy make it. I think prophecy. See, I had a spread spreadsheet going. I just haven't kept it updated, so I'm going to do that very soon because <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, don't remember. You should. Yeah, I uh, don't. I don't remember prophecy. Possibly, Slenderman definitely didn't. No, yeah, 100 percent did not. <laughs> oh, but that's more of a monster. That's not a. <laughs> it's not a little creature. Um... I, if if you were to ask me about like whether or not what deserves to be in 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 the vault, I would say prophecy over this for sure. Prophecy, prophecy over this over. for sure. I'm there. Okay, but then rats. <laughs> Counter argument. But here's the I thing: mean... we are we might see a more superior movie in Ben. So maybe or the remake but Willard. Gotta, but you got to think though too. I mean, with all. With all due respect, I mean, Ben will be a great movie, but because of the founding pillars of Willard, you know, if we went into Ben That's without knowing argument. anything about Willard, you know, Ben wouldn't hit as hard. That's like, the, the thing. stuff he's going to do in his movie is it wouldn't be the same without having this Willard experience. And my personal two cents on the matter for putting it in or not into the House of a Thousand Horrors, I feel like we got a, a nice cellar reserved just for, you know, all the rats. In Willard, I, I feel like you're saying been, yes. Yeah, it was a very engaging movie to talk about. So I feel like that that does have a, a good place in uh in our house. You know, it's a very engaging rap movie. Yeah, it's quirky. And, so, Most people yeah, haven't seen it. You'd be like, "Yo, you want to see? You like animal shit? You like rats? <laughs> rats freak out? Oh. You freak out by rats? You're gonna love this. Yeah, you're I gonna- guess." It. Ernest Borgnine, you know he gets eaten alive by rats. You want to check that shit out? Oh, you hate Ernest Borgnine? Hold up, I'll be right back. <laughs> I would say so. What I remember, I haven't seen the Willard, the remake Willard in a long time. That you brought that up, yeah. Is that there? Um, there. There's a better villain. There's a better villain in Mister Martin in the remake. Because okay. even so, like, there comes a point where, like, yeah, Mr. Martin's a dick. Yeah, he's throwing throwing money around and shit like that, and he doesn't care about what he's insulting and stuff like. But it's still not 
like I've had bosses like that. I've had bosses like to spread their money. It's not it, it, he didn't make it personal for me in that bad guy. I think the two thousand. I think you guys are going to be really. Again, I haven't seen it in a very long time, so I might I might just be wrong about that. But that that's it, I, I do think there's a little something extra in in the two thousand three remake. Yeah, I'm a, since we're kind of split on this, I'm going to say maybe no, just because put we don't. Nice. Yeah, put it on the back burner. We can always revisit it later, but it's just it's always good. It's just it's it's you know it's unique, but it's just not there yet. And that's not to say there's not another rap movie that we could put in. Also sure, named I mean, Willard. There is Ratatouille. We still need to cover that Ratatouille. in the future. Yeah, that's terrifying. That a, a rat yeah, that can cook and could possibly chilling. fall into what you're about to eat. Well, uh, we are going to next announce the next episode, but we should first promote... Well, Clark, first, do you want to promote anything? Or oh. Instagram or anything? Shout it out. What is the name of my Instagram? Let me check that real quick. Um... <laughs> There it is. I was uh, say, so I can I, give you. my Instagram, you can find me at uh Death Rattle Horror. Uh it's uh death underscore rattle underscore horror. And um my if 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 anybody wants to play D D at any time or uh, I have some sessions that, that are filled up right now, um you can hit me up there or Clark of the Covenant on instagram same thing underscores in between each word do you play first edition dungeons dragons fifth edition okay because my dad plays first started playing uh like a year ago oh okay oh shit okay so uh i think i started playing maybe like i want to say barely two years ago because my friend really got me into it and i was kind of on and off of it but that's really cool though okay yeah, it's it's I love it. It's one of those things. I, I as soon as I started playing it, I was like, I should have been playing this since I was twelve. <laughs> it's so much fun. My dad uh, has a podcast. They do really well, but they do first edition D and D. So, but I know those two usually don't mix. So it's actual like Mad Max country, like over where your dad does his pods. Well, they did grow it up, grow up playing it when they were twelve. Mm. back in the day when it came out so they've just all stuck to that and there's a bunch of hardcore fans strictly for first edition it's fun, well, they, so. i think a lot of like some people like the third edition was where like i think most of a lot of most of most people started playing like you really had to like know what you were doing for first edition but then like 3.5 is where it got the most the biggest the biggest like push into playing and then four a lot of dropped off they hated it because it was like playing a video game apparently mm-hmm. like everyone was like this is stupid i want three back or people were just going back to one and saying fuck it all together and now it's bigger than ever it's crazy yeah <laughs> it's because it's you gotta stay home all the time you can't that helps yeah. yeah everyone's got discord or zoom too that helps dnd beyond is yeah. riley awesome for like Jordan. where can the people find this at man Guys, if you want to see some pretty silly memes, uh, some pretty dope screenshots, shoutouts, uh, I haven't seen any on... in a while, dude. It's been over a week. It's been a little, yeah. It's been a little, been a little bit. Uh, you know, just almost kind of like Culver's or any, you know, delicate fast food restaurant. You gotta, you gotta wait a little bit. You gotta, you got a little bit of a wait on that back burner to really get some gourmet kind of fast food, fast memes. It takes a bit. Dude, but I once feel it's like out, you... 
you come into these episodes with a specific reference in mind to use and yeah. you're and then this time it just so happened you had to wait like two hours to finally use the Culver's reference you wanted to use. Dude, like if you could see my Excel spreadsheet of all of these fucking subcategorical like Culver's and like quips, you would be shocked. I'm basically Batman with these. Nonetheless, guys, if you want to find <laughs> us, we have an Instagram and a Twitter. You can find us at the handle at House of One K Horrors. No, that's not our handle. No, sorry, House One K Horrors. <laughs> Sorry, I was about to leak our email. Guys, if you want to send us a really strongly worded email, if you want to give us your own interpretation, a paper about Willard, uh, please, please, please make sure you do it in 12-point font, Times New Roman, double-spaced, <laughs> at uh, house of the number 1000horrors at gmail.com. You can forward that to us. And isn't there like a funny little voicemail? You can also yeah. leave Jordan messages. Yeah. Well, what's that about? You you tell well, the people about that. Yeah, I set it up through our Instagram bio. Is the only way it's accessible right now. But if you do follow us at House One K Horrors, I set up the link nice through story. there, which you can actually request free stickers in there. I've been sending a bunch out. Um, since I have these stickers, I sent people those in the mail. If you just just make sure you put your address, people are like thanks for the stickers. They don't give me your address, so. It, makes no sense but that or and there's also a link to record a voicemail um, which basically questions comments anything like that past episodes or whatever anything horror related really uh, we're going to start mixing them in to a new segment and that's it now we do have to announce the next episode so i wanted to formally ask you if you're down clark we need to cover ben now like this is okay. imperative so right, yeah. if, you want, yeah. if you want to join us for Ben, we need to get yeah. that done. What, uh, I'm in a place, guys. I'm, I'm here. All right. Hell yeah. Because I'm oh, stoked yeah, for yeah. Ben. I don't this is one of my most hyped sequels we're doing yet. I need to know. <laughs> I'm a lore hound now, dude. And you were you were yeah. just talking all this shit about like Tolkien. You're like, you know, he does lore and you're like, I just I you know, I never really understood like how enveloped people can get, but look at you, dude. Look at you in the Willard in the Ben universe. You're I've come full circle, man. You're welcome. Or, I guess I've done one of these holes, man. <laughs> <laughs> it happens faster than you think. The rat hole. Yeah, like the yeah. lovely for you, Jordan. Me and Clark are uh, Willard lore masters. So, you know, we can answer me, daddy. every single question. Yeah. All right. Well, until next time for uh, the follow up, Ben from 1970, what? Two. Two. Next year. Holy yeah. shit. Gonna be a banger. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Until next time. Peace. Excellent, gentlemen. Bye.